Rawnut researched real life stories. Hi guys, welcome to Inspirational Interviews, a super cool life stories platform where we showcase real life stories of people from all over the world. Bravehearts, famous or not, going out there doing their thing. These interviews are not staged, the conversations can go anywhere. What's your life story? Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life. With me, your host, Jen Rod. How's it, guys? Welcome back to Inspirational Interviews and Season 3. I'm super excited to bring Season 3 to you. Last season was all about, you know, having conversations with people that have been in car crashes or motorbike crashes or gone into hospital and come out paralyzed and... Yeah, just really deep, meaningful, real-life stories um, that were tragic, but of people who are just really taking life by the horns and making it their own and not yeah, using whatever happened to them as their reason for not being able to live a good life. And I'm just super grateful that I can still keep bringing these stories to you. I've received so many emails, Instagram messages, personal emails even, from you guys to say maybe that I made a spelling error in, uh, you know, in in one of my write-ups or, you know, just how I um, have really helped you through this time of COVID because in some countries, COVID has created some serious divides and segregations and just being able to tune into these stories with real life people who are going through what you've been through, what I've gone through, it just makes we, it makes you feel connected. It makes us all feel connected. So yeah, I'm just really grateful to to be able to bring these stories to you. So yeah, kicking on now with our first interview for the season is with a guy by the name of Greg Jacobson. And I cannot wait to get into this story because the irony was that I went into season three uh, wanting to bring in healers onto the show. And so, you know, getting in touch with different healers, you know, serendipity, as you guys know, law of attraction, then you start to meet lots of different healers. And, you know, I don't know anything about these healers. So I got Greg on the show as the first healer. And turned out he had also, um, you know, gone through pretty traumatic situations as well. So little did I know that having my first interview of the season with a healer, it was going to start with one of these stories that, you know, similar to our second season, we were, you know, bringing forward to you guys. But Greg, wow, his story is going to blow you guys away. I'm not kidding you. It's um, It actually just gets straight into the deep end from the beginning. So I'm not going to say anything anymore. What I really wanted to do with this intro and what I'm going to do with these intros is really just reach out to you guys to tell you guys I'm here. I'm grateful for you guys as my listeners. Every single message that I get from you guys on Instagram or directly via email um, warms my heart. It keeps the show going. And it's the reason why I'm doing this. So please keep sending me messages. Go to my Instagram, Inspirational Interviews, or find Jen Rod. You'll find me there. That is really what keeps the show going. As I said, it's your contact. It's the fact that you guys are tuning in and you're reaching back to me and saying thank you. Not that I need the thank you, but we all do need feedback. You know, we need to know someone's out there appreciating what you do, you know, just like whatever you guys are doing with your life. You want to know that it's being appreciated. And um, I appreciate it so much when I hear from you all. So keep staying in contact, keep reaching out. Um, and without any further ado, let's move straight in with Greg Jacobson. 
Greg. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the studio. Thank you. So this is actually, this is the first time I'm recording in this studio as well. Okay, okay. So this is also, I'm like, well, I'm, I, I, I could have had you bring some mushrooms for me to sort of climatize <laughs> to a whole new environment because we all get nervous, right? Yes, absolutely. Like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's just go right in there, introduce our listeners Greg Jacobson. That's I keep correct. wanting to say Greg Sharman, and we'll we'll find <laughs> out why now. But uh, Catherine introduced us, and I haven't met Catherine yet. But yes. I was looking for healers, basically. Okay. Um, you know, last season on the show, I interviewed a lot of people um, who had been in car crashes or motorbike accidents, and okay. yeah, just you know, ended up paralyzed and had to navigate life. Yeah. Very you know, hectic. with that situation. Yeah. And then also a lot of people with mental health okay. um, challenges. So, you know what, I thought, you know what, for the third season, let me just interview people who also come from a more healing perspective. Okay. okay. And that's how I found Catherine. But actually what inspired that was watching the documentary, which um, I asked you his name, Paul. Paul Stamets. Stamets. Yes. It's not an easy name to actually hit. Stamets. Yes. Yeah. So he is, um, for you guys listening now, so basically this um, Paul Stemmons, he didn't make the documentary, but the documentary was kind of about him really yeah. uh, on Netflix and it's called Fungi or The Power of Fungi. What was Fantastic it called? Fantastic Fungi. Fantastic Fungi. Oh, yes. Sorry, I say Fungi because it was the American that's okay. pronunciation. <laughs> anyway. Potato, so, potato. Yeah. So, so that's what got me to now, you know, meeting Catherine uh, just on the phone and then she introduced me to you. So now everyone knows how I got to be sitting here with you today. So, yeah, yeah so let's just um, – everyone knows I don't know anything about anyone that comes okay. on the show. Tell us now in your intro who you are, like how would you describe yourself? Well, my name's Greg. Uh, I am a shaman. Um, I started my shamanic journey about two years ago now, mm. which was a year after my suicide attempt. I uh, On the 13th of July this year, we'll mark the three-year mark, that I attempted to take my life after a lifetime of drug addiction, battling with mental illness. So touching back onto that, what you said, but, uh, yeah, after about 22 years, I just hit rock bottom. That was, that was the end of the road for me. And I, I like I said, 13th of July, mm. I tied a cable around my neck and I jumped off the Edenvale bridge over the R24. The cable snapped. I plummeted about six or seven meters. And uh, splattered onto the highway. Seriously? I woke up, yeah, I woke up three days later in hospital. My back was broken in four places. My pelvis was broken in three places. My femur was broken. My radius was broken. A bunch of bones in my wrist were broken. And I was broken after waking up in hospital. Uh, I was sort of compass mentis, you know, before, but I don't remember anything. Mm. Um, I woke up to my dad sitting next to my bed they he was him and my mom were living in zambia at the time mm-hmm. and uh yeah took took a good few months i think i spent five weeks in Moore park hospital then a further three weeks in the rehabilitation hospital mm. learning how to walk again learning how to use my arm again um and the the psychologist that found me in hospital mm. um well, i say i say found me because i believe she was always meant to find me mm. The first psychologist over my life, and I've had many of them, um, that yeah. I was actually able to fully open up to and, and admit, you know, what I was, you know, that I was a drug addict, that I was an alcoholic, that I had, you know, major problems. And she was the first one that was able to get through. And f- her name is Catherine Jenks. 
And uh, this woman was such an important and just invaluable part of my healing journey that uh, my daughter's second name is Catherine. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, how I became to be a shaman. One night I was doing a journey at home, a mushroom journey at home for myself, um, which I do as, as part of my own therapy. It's, it's, you know, what I believe that helps me, you know, just find clarity in that. And um, yeah, I was then told in that journey that this is what I am. This is what I need to do. And I need to help people. I'm a healer and I need to find the person who's going to help me. And spent the next few days after that, just searching the internet, trying to you know, find some answers. And I think I, I can't remember what I typed in. I think it was shaman teacher or something like that. And mm. Catherine Lee's name was the first one that came up. And with all the Catherines around it, it was like a big yeah. shining light and just said to me, phone this woman. And I phoned her and the rest is history. Wow. What I've been learning underneath her has been absolutely immense. Um, energy healing, um, soul retrieval. Mm. Um, I've just, I'm got my practical now. Um, at the end of this week, actually, okay. um, just to sign off the the, the energy practical, mm-hmm. I've finished the theory work in that, and then um, yeah, then I can go on to the third level, third and final level of soul retrieval, okay, which is uh, yeah, I'm very excited about. It's it's going to be good, but uh, yeah, this this journey, I mean, it's just been incredible. The thing, wow. the things that I've learned, um, you know, the things that I can do to help people, energy healing, and that it, it's mind blowing stuff. Mm. It, it really is. It, mm. It's amazing how. You know, after my lifetime of battling with all the different things that I've battled with, um, you know, Western medicine, Western doctors, and that just nobody was able to help me. No one. And coming into this line of work and doing what I'm doing, I am proud to say that I'm two years now chemical drug free. I don't take medication for depression, anxiety, my antipsychotics, all of those things that I was prescribed. I mean, I had tablets to the heels. Yeah. That I had to take on a daily basis. Uh, I microdose now with mushrooms. I take one little capsule, 100 milligram every second day. And I've never felt better. Never been in a better place. Mm. I've never, I've never felt more alive. I've never felt more a part of this world. I know where I fit in. I know who I am. I, I'm not, I'm not shy anymore. I'm not scared and afraid anymore. And it's, it's just, you know, every day going from strength to strength, learning yeah. new things. And it's been, Amazing. It really has wow. been amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I realize, and it's funny how in hindsight you realize in that, but I mean, when I look back and when I think of just the total devastation and destruction that I would have left in my family had I succeeded. Yeah. But uh, the more I learned, the more I realized that my guides had their hands around me. They were never going to let me go that night. I was not meant to go, but I was meant to let go of that version of me. And it's it's been amazing. You know, I mean, mm. going on along, I, I never dreamed that I'd be sitting in a studio like this talking to, talking to you, you know, like mm. it's, it's just incredible. The places I'm going, the things I'm learning, the things I'm seeing is, is wonderful. You know, knowing, knowing that I'm guided on this path is just, yeah, mind blowing. Powerful. <laughs> very, mm. very, you know. So let's now, okay. So you mentioned Catherine. And I mentioned Catherine and obviously I haven't had her on the show yet. She's coming on the show next week. So it's, so let's back up. Let's start now. Who's Greg? Like, tell us where you were born, where you're from. Like, let's build up to today. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah. So Greg Jacobson, I was born in Edenville, 8th Mm. of December, 1982. Spent, uh, most of my life that side in the East. Uh, went to Eden Glen Primary, Eden Glen High. Mm. I uh, pretty much started working straight after school. 
family circumstances at the time didn't allow me to go study further. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, in 2012, I was actually discussing this with my wife this morning in 2012, um, in May 2012, it mm. will mark the 10 year anniversary when I moved to New Zealand. Lived in, oh, okay. yeah, lived in New Zealand for just over a year, mm-hmm. um, turned 30 in New Zealand, mm. literally packed my bags, quit my job at the time. Sold everything that I had, had a suitcase and a backpack, mm. climbed on an airplane and left for New Zealand. Yeah. No job waiting, no nothing, just thought mm-hmm. I would wing it and mm. wanted to get as far away from home as I possibly could to go mm. and find myself. Needless to say that I enjoyed my time in New Zealand. Mm. Um, but hold on, no, so now you're bumping ahead. So after school, <laughs> so okay, school yeah. here, Joburg, yeah. Edenvale, so a suburb of Joburg in South Africa. And then you said you started working straight away. What did yeah. you do? Uh, the first job I started working at uh, was a, I think it was called Perchex Africa. It was mm-hmm. buying and selling, uh, uh, you know, importing to, to the African countries uh, for random companies. I mean, it could be anything. It could be toasters if they wanted. They okay. would send us to, to find toasters or whatever it was and would send it up there. Mm. Um that lasted a few months. Um, then I sort of got bored and, you know, it wasn't a good fit. So left there and, uh, figured out that, you know, at the time, then I thought, well, let me take over dad's company. You know, dad, my dad uh, owned his own company mm-hmm. for, for many, many years. Mm. He deals with industrial pumps and stuff like that. That's why they were up in, in Zambia. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So went and did a, did a N3 and four and five, um, electrical engineering. Okay. Which, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was okay. I passed well. I did, you know, I did okay, but. Just as I got through it, I realized that this was not my mm. path. But then you did go and study. Yeah, 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 yeah. So later so, you studied. Yeah, but okay. it, it, I mean, it wasn't a degree or diploma. It was just a certificate. It was very basic. No, okay, but but because after school you couldn't. Yeah. But then yeah. you, so you started working with yeah. the import-export, but then you did go and study. Yes. Did your dad sponsor that or? Some of it, yeah. Some yeah. of it as much as they could at the time, yeah. yeah some of it. But uh yeah, it's like I said, I mean, it didn't, I, I did the one year course and that, that was it. Then yeah. I said, thanks very much. And then, uh, yeah, then I got involved with a company called Liquid Group, mm. um, which did insurance replacements. You know, so if your TV, fridge, whatever got struck by lightning, mm. you would come to us, we'd replace it for you. Worked well with the ins- insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And that went well for a few years. Um, you know, it, it, it paid the bills. It, it, you know, it, it kept me interested. Mm. It was working with technology in a way. So, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, from there moved to another company called Extreme Audio. I think it was called that Extreme Audio in, in, in Ovo. Also doing insurance replacements, same yeah. thing. And then when I got bored of that, I moved to, I got a job at Samsung. Worked at Samsung Electronics for four years, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, um, retail account manager for office automation and IT. Okay. Which, uh, it's not as fancy as it sounds. It, yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, it was, it, but it, again, it paid the bills. It, uh, it kept me, mm. kept me going mm. and, you know, finding a way it's, yeah, it was, it was okay. Mm. It was okay. After, mm. after then it was, uh, I left and was working for, uh, Taropa, which was a, a company that worked closely with Samsung. I was one mm-hmm. of the agents. Mm. And then, uh, from there I left and worked at the digital experience again, doing the insurance replacement thing. Mm-hmm. Um, f- uh, the, the guy I was working for at digital experience was actually the guy I worked for at extreme audio. Okay. So I got back in touch with him and yeah. he wanted me to come back and work with them and that. And that, uh, that led up to me going to, uh, going to New Zealand. Okay. The so, 
Yeah. So, okay. So those were the jobs then that you had from after school. Yeah. yeah. So like when, what about when you were a boy? Like what, who were you as a boy? What was your life like as a boy um, growing up? So as a boy growing up, I've got two sisters. I've got an older sister and a younger sister. We pretty much, there's five years between mm-hmm. each of us. So it's uh, quite even, but mm. I was quite a loner. Um, growing up, you know, I mean, I, I always had friends and stuff like that, but I never really connected. You know, I wasn't, mm. I wasn't, I wasn't by any stretch of the mad- imagination. I was never one of the cool kids in school. I was, yeah. you know, I kind of stuck to myself and mm. I was always that weird kid. And, but, you know, it, <laughs> I kept to myself really because, mm. you know, I would hear things talking to me and stuff like that. And so, okay. So tell me about, I mean, is that why, is that why you were alone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was always hearing voices and, you know, things were, spirits would appear to me and stuff like that. Mm. Obviously never spoke much about it to my friends or family because, you know, I didn't want to freak people out. So I didn't understand it at all at the time. You know, hindsight now, I look back and I understand it perfectly. Mm. But at the time it was, it was weird, you know, this isn't supposed to be happening. Like this is not anything that I'm taught. Mm. I was never told about this, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I mean, what, what was your and your folks? I mean, what did you, did you have a happy home? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I, it's not I, like I, you were the weird kid because maybe there were issues at no, home. No, 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 not at all. No, we had I had a wonderful childhood growing up. I did mean, you? We, yeah. we want we wanted for nothing. We, you know, not again, not that we were you know exorbitantly rich or stuff like that. But I mean, mm. we did. My parents did the best they could for us. We wanted mm. for nothing. We we had a happy home. Um, my mm. sisters and I. I mean, we fought like brothers and sisters yeah. do, but you know, we loved each other. We 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 loved each other. Our families are very close knit family. Yeah. Um, my extended family is John Ormus. There's Jacobsons everywhere, and okay. the extensions everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we love doing family things. We love mm. the outdoors. My dad, you know, we go fishing all the time. We go watch rugby. We go watch mm. football. Like my dad used to come to school to watch me play rugby and stuff like that. So, so I mean, they was, even supported yeah, you yeah, in absolutely. sports. And- absolutely. And could you talk to them also? Like, you know, could you, I mean, for example, I've, you know, spoken to lots of people. They had a close family. Their parents, you know, wanted the best for them, but yeah. they couldn't necessarily have a deep and meaningful. Could you have that with them? Uh, with my mom to an extent. Yeah. Um, with my dad and I, I truly just, my dad and I are so similar, but so different. So we, we kind of butt heads every now and again because of our different opinions and different views and that, but. I love my dad with all my heart. He's mm. he, he's my hero. I mean, just watching mm. him, you know, what he did for us as a family growing up, you know, I mean, he sacrificed everything, especially when he left uh, working for the job that he was working for to start mm. his own thing. Mm. You know, it was it was hard yards in the beginning, you know. Yeah. But he made sure that we had what we needed. Yeah. Like it, it was, he's, he's such an inspiration to me, even today. He really is. It's, my mom and I have got a very special relationship. Um, we, you know, my mom is probably the one that I open up to, to the most. Mm. The first time, <laughs> just to give you a little side story. So yeah. the first time that I got caught with drugs was outside truth. Um, this is going back to 2004, somewhere around Yeah. There. And, uh, I mean, not, it was ecstasy that I was caught with. Mm. And obviously. What is truth? Uh, it was a club. Oh, okay. Uh, a, a Sorry. Forgive me. I yeah. haven't been in South Africa for like 20 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was a, a nightclub from way back in the day. And, yeah. uh, you know, still okay. So yeah, that that didn't ironically well. called truth. So yes, you yeah, know, you exactly. were busted outside truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, they had to call my dad off the golf course the next morning to come and get me out of jail. So that that that. So uh, what did the police bust you? Yeah, Who busted yeah, yeah. you? The cops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went outside to the car. I had I had two tablets in my pocket. Yeah, um, and I went outside to the car to go and get some more money. 
And uh, yeah, as soon as I leaned into the car and leaned out, the lights were flashing behind me. They Seriously? searched me. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a quite it, an ordeal. I mean, is that a thing? Do police go busting you for popping poles? They, well, they did. I'm sure they still do. When was you that? Know, that? That oh, 2004, 2003, That's not 2004. that long ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I know, I know, I know, I know. Actually, I was in London back then, so it is a long time ago. Yeah. Um, okay, so the police bust you. So obviously they were on the lookout. They are probably hanging outside Truth to see who the scallywags were, probably, right? Probably, yeah. Okay, so you got busted. Your dad was called the next day to get yeah. from the golf course to get yeah. you out of jail. Yeah. And how did that go? Uh, not well, not well. It's... Uh, when my dad arrived at the police station, it was Midrand Police Station. When my dad arrived there, um, mm. you know, the captain called him aside. Now I'd already spent the night in the holding cell and stuff mm. like that. And so the captain called him aside without me first and, you know, explained to him that, listen, no matter what you do, I know you want to beat the hell out of him, but no matter what you do, there's not going to be more punishment than what he's got and what he's about to go through because there was court cases and all sorts. Seriously? And, yeah, yeah, it was a huge ordeal. And, uh, so yeah, you know, once, once the captain had called me into the room to sit with my dad, um, you know, my dad just looked at me and I could just see the disappointment in the, in his face. And it, it, it broke me. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, gosh, what have I done? You know, gosh, I'm, you know, sorry and this and that. And needless to say, it didn't help my course. It didn't, didn't stop me. Um, unfortunately, it didn't stop me from continuing down the, the, the path of drugs. But yeah. As I know now that it was all meant to be the way mm. it was meant to be. And, but, uh, yeah. It, I, it's, I, I'm actually like, I'm a bit shocked that you got thrown into jail for taking these ecstasy pills. I, I've never had ecstasy myself. It's just never been my thing. Yeah. But I know so many people who have. And so this is the first time I'm actually ever hearing that someone got busted for taking ecstasy yeah, pills and yeah. thrown into jail. It's the first yeah. time I'm ever hearing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, course, obviously uh, heroin and cocaine and then like it, it, but I don't know. I've never heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I'm so far away from that scene now. So I wouldn't know. I really wouldn't know what it, what mm. it's like today. But, but back then, yeah, it was, it was quite a. Okay. So what happened then after that? Um, so after that, you know, it took a while for things to calm down in the family and it, uh, I was under sort of strict observation by my parents for a little while, but it didn't last long. Um, you know, and then things kind of just went back to normal. I, uh, had a couple of car accidents. My first car accident, um, was actually not long after that where I wrapped my car around a tree at 120 k's an hour. That was were my you, first, that was my first near death experience. Were you high? Uh, no, I was just drunk that night. I hadn't actually taken anything, but I was smashed. Um, we went to Roxy Rhythm Bar in Melville. Uh, mm. We took my car. We were, I wasn't supposed to be the designated driver that night. It was somebody else's turn, but the person who was supposed to go couldn't go. So I said, okay, well, that's fine. We'll take my car, but I'm still drinking. Somebody else can drive. And they drove us back. I didn't drive back from Roxy Rhythm Bar, but dropped my friend off back in Edenvale and then was staying at another friend's house in Croydon. So it's about three, four kilometers from, from where they're. Mm. And, uh, yeah, dropped that friend off, drove, got to my other friend's house that I was supposed to be staying at the night. And he came running out and said, we need cigarettes. We need cigarettes. So I said, well, climb back in the car. And two minutes later, it was wrapped around a tree. Okay. So, yeah, that, uh, like I said, that was my first near-death experience. The What the memories I have from, from that night, I remember climbing out the car, walking around the car, looking at everything. And meanwhile, the paramedics had to cut me out of the car. 
Like oh. there was no way I could have been able to climb out. So the you car. didn't actually. No, there's there's no way. It's, they they literally had so to you cut mean, the door off. Did you get? Were you concussed? Yeah, yeah, I was out. So that was, was your like your you uh, out of body experience. Yeah, yeah, my first first out of body near death experience, and uh, yeah, I smashed my face open. I mean, I smashed my sternum. I had surgery on my face. Um, and, uh, yeah, didn't spend that long in hospital, but mm. walked around with this weird stitch thing through my eye underneath my eye for about six weeks after. But yeah, then, uh, what job did you have at that time? Where were you working? That was probably between the Perchex Africa and digital and, uh, and liquid group. The insurance. Yeah. The yeah. insurance guys. It was probably that time between. Okay. Because it was, uh, yeah, it was early, early 2000s, mm. early 2000s. And you were still staying at your parents yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah. Still staying mm. with my folks at the time. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, actually, I mean, you're telling me the story, right? And you wrapped your car on the tree and I'm thinking, <laughs> w- w- at what, like, what conversation was I having with the universe when I said, listen, let's have a conversation with healers now and talk about the healer, you know, that world. And now I'm back, you know, I'm talking with someone who's literally been from the, fir- you know, second season of also yeah, having yeah, yeah. these car crashes. And so there's obviously something in this. There's a message I'm needing to bring to people. I don't know yet what it is. So it's well, funny. Sure we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about that near death experience because that's actually, um, that's interesting. You know, I've, I've lost a brother and I, at, at that time, I kind of went into all these different books and yeah. actually I think I just put a blank on it and sort of forgot about it. But yeah, I would like, to, what do you remember about that time? So all I really remember, um, you know, I don't remember the last thing I consciously remember was coming around a corner and then mm. hearing a loud bang that that was it. Um, I don't, I can't tell you how long it was, how long the experience lasted. And it, it, I mean, it felt like it was hours at the time. Um, you know, but, uh, the tree that I hit was outside, obviously someone's house. Um, Mm. and my parents had told me the next day that that person had obviously heard the bang and come out to see everything. And they, the ones that phoned my parents Mm -hmm. now in the car, I remember sitting in the car and looking down taking my hands on my face and seeing like just blood everywhere. Mm. And then I remember calmly opening the car door, getting out the car, walking around the car a few times, you know, assessing the damage, looking like trying to feel what was wrong with me. I don't remember. I had a friend in the car at the time. He was lucky. He came off unscathed. Um, he had his seatbelt on. That's why seatbelts are important. But uh, yeah, and it was just, it was so weird. And then I don't remember anything else like i don't remember climbing back into the car i don't remember seeing anybody or seeing anything else i just know that you know a couple of days later i woke up in hospital with all these stitches all mm-hmm. over me then when i asked my dad what had happened because i told my dad what had happened and he was like no you couldn't have because the guy that he got my phone reached through the window thank goodness the window was open mm. got my phone mm. you know there was no security Thumb prints and that it was a Nokia 3310. So mm. phoned my mom or phoned my dad from that phone and said, listen, your son's had an accident. Um, then phoned the, the paramedics and the paramedics had to cut me with the jaws of life, had to cut me out of the car. Couldn't open the door, couldn't mm. open the back door, couldn't like on, on, on the driver's side at all. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just all I remember from it is just being so calm. And serene that? and Oh peaceful. my God, sorry, this is the first time that's happened. Oh gosh. <laughs> How do you turn these on? Just push the red button. 
it's fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so, you know, so that happened, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but that's what you remember. But okay, so now you know that that didn't happen. No. So what was that like now looking back or did you have a deeper connection of something at that time? Well, now looking back, yes. Now looking back, yes. It was my guides that, that were obviously, you know, keeping me here to show me, well, this is, you're on the foot, you're on the doorstep of death, but you're not going anywhere. You know, we, you, it's not your time. Doesn't matter what you go through. It's not your time, especially now knowing that after my, my actual suicide attempt, um, it, it, it's just so clear to me now that, my guides were keeping me here for a reason. I am being kept here. Great Spirit is keeping me here for a reason. And, uh, yeah, it just, you know, at the time was just so weird. I mean, it took me, you know, I never spoke to anybody about this. I kept, I mean, I'm, I don't, even with my wife, I don't often, you know, open up mm. truly. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot that I'll talk about, but there's a lot that I won't talk about because mm. it's, Either I don't understand what's going on yet, so I don't want to talk about it, or mm. it scares the living daylights out of me. So I just keep it to myself. But um, yeah, it was uh, it it was just such a crazy experience, you know. And then afterwards, it took me quite a while. Now, if I'm just thinking about it now, I mean, it took me quite a while to sort of reintegrate back into sort of normal life and you know sort of get over what had happened because especially after speaking to my dad in the hospital and him telling me what had happened. I mean, they showed me pictures of my car. You know, the car was, the engine had been pushed right, you know, through the floor well up up to my feet. It was, it was just, the the car was an absolute wreck. I've actually still got some of the photos at home. You know, I keep them in my little keepsake box. Mm. And uh, it it was just the craziest, craziest thing. I mean, I, I, I so clearly remember just calmly opening the door, getting out the car, Everything was calm and serene and, but, you know, looking at the pictures and then hearing what other people told me, like it, it mm. kind of messed me up for quite a while, you know, so just, but I kept it to myself. And then eventually, just like I said, normal everyday life, mm. you know, sort of got back into the swing of things, was working again, got another car. Um, and yeah, just kind of faded away, you know, through, through through many years of mm. drug addiction. But, you know, those kind of memories just sort of faded away. You know, mm. I didn't didn't really think much of it. So, okay, so again, you talk – okay, obviously, I mean, we're going to talk about the drug addiction. But, yeah. I mean, what – you you had a good upbringing. Your yeah. parents were there for you. Your parents supported you. They loved you. So diving straight into the deep end, I mean, what were you escaping? Why, 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 why all these drugs? Or were you just – I mean – for the most part, if I'm being honest with myself, um, for the most part, it was to try and be one of the cool kids, you know, um, growing up, like I said, growing up in school. Yeah, I played rugby and stuff like that, but I was never, never really one of the in crowd and stuff like that. And it was a big part of me that, that wanted it, you know, that wanted it to, I wanted to be sort of just noticed. And, mm. uh, I found that the more I took drugs, you know, the crazier things I did and, I seemed to get all the attention that, that I was craving. And, mm. um, oh, really? Yeah. But then, you know, I mean, that wasn't the only reason. Uh, most of the reason was just because I loved the way they made me feel. They made me feel like I was someone, you know, like I was something. I didn't have that. I wasn't in that cloud of depression all the time, feeling sorry for myself. And not, not that I'm saying that after. Depressed people feel sorry for themselves, but you know, that feeling. No, but talk from your own experience, you know. So, you know, and it's, it's, it's something that gave me a bit of freedom to, to say what I want, you know, do what I want, be who I want. And 
yeah, I, you know, for so, so, so many years up until my suicide attempt, I would not have admitted to being a drug addict. I used drugs. They didn't, I wasn't addicted to them. But, uh, as, as time went by, I just realized how really untrue that was and how I was hooked. I tried, you know, especially after meeting my wife, I tried so hard to stop. So, so, so hard. And I mean, by that time, I was on cocaine, cats, uh, crystal meth, you know, so it was, it was not play, play drugs. It wasn't just like popping an ecstasy Mm. pill, you know what I mean? And I tried so hard for so long to stop and I just couldn't, I just couldn't, you know, and that just went downhill real quick. So I can, I can imagine that because that's the thing, right? You know, as a human being, you always think you've got the power. Absolutely. And then when you do try something and you're like, Jesus, it's actually not working. Yeah. Like I actually can't do it. Yeah. That then spirals into also almost anxiety. I can imagine. Absolutely. Right? All sorts of anxiety. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to wake up. Like, I mean, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, oh, I can't do this. I, I need something. And I would go and put a line of Coke or something in my nose and be like, okay, now I can do it today. You know, it's, uh, and then having those horrible come downs, you know, when, when, when the party's over, so to speak, but when you have those come downs and you just, mm. it's lower than low, like you, you just, you can't escape your own head. You know what I mean? You, you're stuck inside your head with you 24 seven. And mm. when, when you can't think straight, you, you do all sorts of crazy stupid mm. things. So, but so, so was it then like a gradual thing? that it sort of crept in or do you remember if you look back now can you remember that moment where you even maybe consciously made the decision that you're not going to give a shit anymore and i'm actually going to take drugs like or, or, or was it so sneaky it was so sneaky it was honestly so sneaky i hid it for the entire time i hid it from my parents besides the time when i was caught for drugs you know there was one time in cape town um was probably about 2007 2008 i was working for samsung still at the time and I went to go visit my uncle Michael, my mom's brother in Cape Town. Um, and I went out the one night and hooked up with this girl. Um, and she took me to a place to go and get a whole bunch of cocaine and ended up watching the sunrise on Table Mountain, smashing lines. And, um, something came over me that night that I had to tell my mom. So I phoned my mom the next, well, still that morning, but later that morning on the come down, phoned my mom and told her what I had done and begged her not to tell my dad because of what had happened before, you know, and stuff like that. Was this but after the accident? After the accident, yeah. But, you know, from then I told my family that I've stopped, hid it from everybody, sisters, my cousins, my grandparents, my parents, my girlfriends that I had at the time. Like nobody, nobody, nobody knew to the extent that I was taking drugs. You know, Except had, the people you were doing it with, like partying. Even with even them to an extent, you know, because every now and again, you know, I would I would go out with my friends and take drugs and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, we're having a party and stuff like that. But they didn't even, they weren't even aware that I would still go home and continue to take Yeah, more, for them so. this was a one-nighter. For yeah, you this was yeah. just the next day. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you know, after the suicide attempts, you know, it was a big shock to my family when, when I finally, I wrote a entire essay on, on WhatsApp to my, to my family group chat and explained everything because how, you know, sort of how I had portrayed what was, I was going through and why I had done what I had done. I sort of blamed it all on my wife at the time. You blamed it on her? Yeah. 
you know, I didn't, still nobody knew about the drugs, but I blamed her that my wife was a terrible person and she was a horrible wife and all of that stuff when nothing could have been further from the truth. I was just trying to deflect all the attention away from me and what I was doing. And unfortunately, you know, she was the closest one to me and she got the brunt of it. And thank God she's still with me today. She held my hand through all of it. Wow. She gave me a daughter and she's just the most incredible woman. I cannot tell you how much I love my wife. She is just phenomenal. The fact that she stayed with me through all of this, that woman needs a medal of epic proportions. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it What's was, her name? uh, Corin, Corin Jacobson. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a big thing, you know, and then afterwards, so leading up to that message, you know, my, my family then started fighting amongst themselves and they started getting really resentful towards my wife, like, you know, and then, mm. I just, after a few weeks in hospital, I couldn't actually take it anymore because, you know, one family member would come and visit me and say all of these things. And then my wife would come and visit me and say, you know, this one said this and that said that. And then arguments started flying backwards and forwards and the guilt just got to me. Like it, it just, it, it, I felt more guilty then mm-hmm. than I had felt in my entire life. And this is even when I would be sitting at dinner tables, ducking under to take a bullet, you know, of Coke underneath the table. Mm. The guilt was, just too much. And then I eventually said, okay, guys, this is it. This is the real story. This is what I am. This is what I've done. And this is why I've done what I've done. And this is why I'm leaving. Yeah. So and, the blame yeah. was, was throughout the relationship, the marriage, but it, but the, the final message on the WhatsApp group was about owning up and saying, this is me. Yeah. But goodbye. Yeah, no, no, the, the message was after the, the after okay, the attempt. No, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't write a suicide note. I didn't, I didn't leave anything. Oh, so the WhatsApp message came later. Yes, that came in hospital. I was still in, okay. in before the rehabilitation hospital. Mm-hmm. I was still in Moorpark Hospital, um, still confined to a wheelchair. And I hadn't even got my crutches yet because mm. I needed special crutches because mm, my mm. arm and leg and everything was broken. So, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just couldn't take the, the fighting between everyone anymore. Like knowing why I had done what I had done. I had to, I had to get it out into the world. I had mm. to be open and honest with everybody and with myself. So yeah, it was, uh, it was again quite a time, but we've pulled through as yeah. a family, you know, we've pulled through. I, I really do. I thank my guides and I thank God every single day that, that I'm still here. It's, uh, even, I mean, the doctors that were seeing me, they just looked at me. They were like, I can't actually believe you're still alive. The extent of damage I had. I mean, I still got no, my tattoo artist, Jeff, he loves me. Like, I can't <laughs> feel anything in my arm. So, you know, the, you? no, the ulnar nerve, I've got absolutely no feeling. You can pinch where you want. I've Seriously. Got zero feeling. Oh, no, you're freaking me out doing that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Greg's basically <laughs> pinching himself all over his arm. And you guys will see in the video or the pictures, but he's got tattoos all down his right arm. Um, so, but can I ask you, so, like when you were walking onto that bridge, right? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Just oh. wanna, again, it's the damage. The nerves, seriously. Well, my coccyx was smashed as well. So oh my god! It's uh, yeah, the thing that's it's the scars that I bear with me all the time to remind me what I did. So that's a good thing for me. It's a really good thing. It's good reminders. So when you did go onto that bridge, were you high? Absolutely. Okay. That night, uh, so I was at a friend's house in Edenville. Um, and I lied to everybody. I lied to my friends and said I was going home. I lied to my wife by saying I was staying there. And I left. I went and got absolutely hammered drunk. Like I probably put back half a bottle of tequila within 10 minutes. 
Um, from there, left, went and bought an a whole handful, whole bunch of drugs. Um, I was injecting it. I was snorting it. I was smoking it. I was, however I could get it into me, it was getting it into me. I mean, it's a surprise that that didn't kill you. Well, that, that right? was, so I, I had still... a, I had, a, it was a four stage plan. Um, I didn't, you know, leading up, planning the whole suicide, you know, I, I didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. I just knew how it was going to happen. So you, how long had you been planning this for? Uh, a good six months. Um, in actual fact, longer than that. My first failed suicide attempt, I was going to gas myself in the car, but my wife was onto me and she stayed with me in the lounge the whole night. And every time I moved, she, uh, she woke up. I couldn't open the door. We were still in our old house. I couldn't open up the door, anything. But did and, she know? Uh, no, not about the drugs. She knew I was depressed. She knew I was going through some stuff, you know, and, uh, she, uh, from then, I was the psychologist that I was seeing at the time. She made an appointment, um, you know, to go for me to go. She met me there and they, you know, they persuaded me to go and spend three weeks in Akiso, uh, which is a psychiatric hospital, mm. um, in, in Ramburg, which I did. And, you know, it did help to an extent, but I was still really lying while I was there because, you know, I wasn't there. I was admitted under general, which is just for you know, mental problems mm. and that, but I, when I should have been in there for, for drug addiction, mm. but obviously it didn't want anybody to know. So I hid that away. And so, I mean, it worked to an extent, but you know, it didn't really last very long. Mm. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. So leading up to that night and left pumped drugs into my system, left, right and center. Um, then eventually didn't know what to do anymore, didn't know where to go because I realized, you know, at about sort of like one, two o'clock in the morning that doesn't matter how much more I put in my system, it's not going to kill me. I'm just going to keep on Which going. is crazy because it does kill so many people. Yeah, I know. That's… <laughs> you got a so, system made out of steel. Absolutely, you know, so… Literally, actually, because <laughs> you fell from a bridge and it still didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you know, so when when I eventually, you know, I parked my car on on the bridge of the highway, um, and yeah, it was about half an hour, and then I rummaged through my car to find something, and all I could find was the jumper leads. So took those, stepped over the bridge, tied them to one end of the bridge, tied the other end to my neck, and thought, well, this is it. And then I thought, well, I'm still over the highway, so if this doesn't work, something will hit me, and nothing. As I jumped, I let go. The last thing I remember is just hearing a loud snap. Mm. And that was it. Then, then that led up to my second year. Hi, and then, but, so. uh, but then, I mean, you are on a highway. So then what happened? Who did, who found you? I've got no idea. It must have been an ambulance. I, I don't know who phoned an ambulance and that, but I know an ambulance. So you picked still me don't up. know. I, I have flashbacks of memories from that. Um, you know, I, I woke up screaming a few months afterwards that I'd remembered the jump. And remembered the fall, but I don't remember anything from there. Um, there's very, very small flashbacks. I remember someone picking me up by sort of here. There was mm -hmm. a few people, must have been obviously the, the paramedics that mm. picked me up, put me on a stretcher, put me in the ambulance. Um, I tried once they put the, the RV in my arm, they hadn't hooked it up to anything. And I grabbed the tube from them to try and blow into the tube. Um, they Why? fought me down to put bubbles into my, to, into, into my arm to stop my heart. So you actually consciously, even then, still tried? Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Jeez, great. And, uh, yeah, that's, and then I kind of remember arriving at the hospital, um, 
bearing in mind that I had copious amounts of drugs still in me. So mm. it, like it, consciousness was in and out. It was, it was quite crazy. Um, but after they put me on the bed, um, I don't, that, that's when I don't remember anything until three days later. That's, I've got absolutely, even still to this day, got no. But did they induce you? They must have. I, I, you mm. know, I, I don't know. I, I, I know they told me they put me in this big circle machine to, you know, yeah. scan what was wrong, mm. um, you know, to where the injuries were and stuff like that. But they, I, I don't know if they induced me or it was just that I had so much drugs in my system that I was coming down like I was just out. Yet my body, you know, just needed the rest and just shut down. But I, I, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, yeah, waking up in hospital with my dad sitting next to my bed, the first thing that my dad asked me is, what did I do? And it was a hard pull for me to swallow. Mm. I tried to tell my dad. I actually tried to tell him then. All I could get out was that it's not me. It's not you, dad. It's me. It's nothing you've done. This was me. This Mm. is all on me. And, uh, yeah, had, you know, a few family members come in and come in and sit for a while. Obviously, again, my wife was the one who was there through all of it, through mm. the most, you know. And, uh, yeah, in, while I, while I was still sort of out of it, um, when I met Catherine Jenks, my psychologist, and, uh, I don't actually remember the first day I met her, but the second day after I'd woke up and I saw her again and she was like, do you remember me? And I was like, no. It's like she reintroduced herself to me and said, well, you know, I'm going to be looking after you from a psychological point and we're going to have some talks and stuff like that. And I, uh, I remember getting helped out of the hospital bed onto a wheelchair and they wheeled us down to the bottom of the corridor and I told her everything, everything, told her what I was doing, told her what I've been taking and said to her, said to her, please help me. And, uh, thank God she was there. That woman was just instrumental, absolutely mm. instrumental in me being to where I am today. She, I went, I mean, I was seeing her in the beginning. I was seeing her at, at the hospital, like almost every second day. Mm. Um, after I was discharged from hospital, um, from the rehabilitation hospital, because there was a big meeting that I had to have with my family, with discovery, mm. with my psychologists, you know, there was social workers and that involved and. I was under, they wanted to keep me for longer, but I was done. I mean, that was like five, six weeks after being in hospital. I was finished. I was Mm. like done, you know. Mm. Um, And yeah, just, uh, you know, seeing her every week um, for the first sort of six months. I Mm. saw her every week and worked through so much, you know, just worked through absolutely so much. She got me to to a place where I could comfortably say that, you know, I'm feeling okay, mm. that I was okay, you know, and then, mm. you know, slowly but surely after, after the first year, um, it was only after the first year that we started tapping off on, on the, on the, the sessions, you know, mm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, throughout that I was, you know, I started, I went to Narcotics Anonymous, you know, weekly meetings with Narcotics Anonymous. I had a sponsor, um, you know, every time, Every time something sort of went south, you know, the trigger would come up and that, and instead of running to drugs, you know, I, I really put in, put in the effort, you know, I really, cause mm. you know, I, I knew I couldn't go through the skin. Yeah. I mean, you literally wouldn't. had done everything. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, you know, and then, and then it, like I said, it, it was about a year after that, um, 
that I'd been a year clean and and uh, I then found Catherine. Catherine, who Catherine Lee, was, yeah, yeah, who's who my was, teacher now. And yeah. Okay, so before you get into that, because yeah, 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 yeah. that's now this next yes, phase of yes, your life, yes, right, yes. where your whole face now brightens up. <laughs> it's <laughs> the exciting cool. part. <laughs> exactly. Let's start there. But what I do want to know is because, you know, a lot of people who listen to the show go through their own psychological or mental or just life challenges. You said, I worked through everything. So what, I mean, you don't have, we we can't go into a whole year of psychological sessions here, but I mean, what did you work through? Because that's what I'm trying to understand. I mean, earlier you did say the peer pressures, you know, you you felt like you fitted in. Do you really believe that those were the issues or the reasons? Because I wasn't buying it when you said it. Not at all. Yeah. So so what is it that you actually needed to work through? My own self-confidence, my own self-doubt that I had way, way, way too much of. I never believed I was good enough for anything. You know, in, in that long message that I sent to my parents, I even said to them, I said, I don't even believe that I deserve to carry the Jacobson name. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, Water. I don't, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I believed myself less than nothing. You know, just, I can't tell you why I believed that way. I just did. You know, depression is that. Depression and anxiety. I mean, I was first diagnosed with depression at 19. It's uh, it's just something that you fight with every day. You just don't believe you're good enough. I didn't anyway. I'm not going to say you. I'm going to talk in my context because mm. I know it's different for everyone. But I, mm. I just didn't believe that I was worth the dirt on the floor, mm. you know. And uh, drugs is obviously what made me feel like I was okay. And very, okay. very quickly yeah. just learned, you know, through with, with Catherine Jenks, you know, through those psychology appointments that – it was just a downright lie. The drugs were lying to me. Drugs mm. weren't making me a better person. Drugs were making me a worse person. You know, at, at, at the end of the day, that they were just they were messing my life up. You know, I, I was going through these jobs and couldn't really hold a job. You know, not not that I was jumping from one week to the next. You know, but I mean, a job wouldn't last more than a couple of years. And you know, how I wasn't fired in those times. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I walked into work that I was high or coming down. And it's. It, it was an absolute miracle that I was never fired from a job for, for drugs, you know, like it was just. Well, it just shows how clever human beings are at hiding stuff. Well, yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, look, I mean, I never, I, very, very f- seldomly did I skip work because I couldn't. I always made sure that I was at work, you know, I would put something mm. in my system to keep me up and running mm. like I was awake and with it, and, mm. you know, but. But it, you still kept to your responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. That, that was my, that was my key. That was my. Was the trick to to keeping it hidden to disguise to make sure you know make sure that you Mm. do these things? Because I always said to Mm. myself, you know, if if I slip up here, people are going to start you know getting suspicious, Mm. and I couldn't have that happen. I mean, but why? Okay, so I still, I'm I'm also because I you know I guess because of my own analytical brain, I I, like you had this good upbringing, you had a supportive family. So where, if you look back now, because now you're a dad, so if you go back now, can you? find that space in your timeline where you can remember maybe that's where my confidence dipped or that's ha- you know that happened to me that and at that moment I couldn't talk to my mom because you maybe wasn't home or was there anything that no I can't I, I, I truly can't remember you know if you had been speaking to me if we'd been having this conversation three years ago I would have said yes it was my parents they didn't love me the way they want they should have loved me and they should have done this but 
I can't, that's, that's just, that's, excuse my language, but that's just bullshit. Mm. Like I can't, um, and I won't, I won't push the blame out onto anybody. Mm. I can't, I can't sit here and say that it was this person who made me feel that way. It yeah. was that one that made me feel that way. Or this, it, it wasn't, it was all me. Mm. It was all me lost inside my own head, you know, just with dealing with depression, feeling that way all the time. And just as I grew up with it, you know, just believed that it was me that was not worthy of love. I was not worthy of love. I wasn't good enough to be loved. I wasn't good enough to be a popular kid. I wasn't good enough to be successful. I wasn't good enough to be anything. Yet you were also sporty. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I still, I thankfully, I'm still, I can still swing a golf club. <laughs> yeah, but and you, <laughs> you know, were then though. Yeah, so you, it's growing up, like... I played all sorts of sports: cricket, yeah. football, rugby, tennis, squash. You know, you name it. I, mm. I was playing it as a kid. You know, but uh, no, there was there was never ever anything that I could point back to and say that's what made me feel that way. Not yeah. one specific thing or person just made me feel that way. Just it was me inside my own head, inside with my own feelings, believing. Because that's just all I could feel. So what do you think, before we move on, mm-hmm. what do you think then is um, a solution or an, an empowering process then for teenagers, for youth? If you look back now on, you know, these younger generations are having these conversations in their head. Oh, like, what is the What is then the solution? Or you're going to say, like, are we going to get into now mushrooms? Or- no, 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 no. I, I certainly, and certainly not towards teenagers. Mush- mushrooms are a very, very, very sacred medicine. Um, you need to be, you need to really know where you want to go and what you want to do before you dive into that. Um, okay, that's, let's that's actually, a different let's thing, not dive in. Okay, so, okay, okay. And then we'll go back to that, okay, right? So okay. now let's go to Catherine who introduced us and yes. where you are today. And now yes. I see your face light up and suddenly <laughs> the wall is looking calmer behind you. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you the exact date. Um, but it, it, it was coming on two years ago. Um, when I found Catherine and I phoned her and said, I believe that I've had a calling to shamanism and I've been looking and you, I explained to her the whole Catherine thing. And I said, that's why I believe that you are the woman I'm supposed to be phoning. And she, uh, she accepted me with open arms. You know, I started doing her, I first started with just her soul retrieval course, um, which, which I will be finishing now. I've done the first two levels. I'll do the third level now that I've uh, finishing the healing course. Um, and just, you know, it, it started off with weekly Zoom meetings because it was obviously smack bang in the middle of COVID mm. lockdown. Um, mm. you know, uh, and I just, Every week, like every time I spoke to my teacher, like every time I spoke to Catherine or every lesson that we did, like things were hitting me so hard and so powerfully that I was literally like, wow, you know, like Mm. just so completely just. So what's shamanism? So, well, shamanism is just, it's a way of life, really. It's just, you know, the beliefs that, that we have that everything is connected, um, through through spirits um it's not just people animals you know animals trees plants everything is connected everything is alive everything has a soul and and we're here to learn everything is our teacher and nature especially nature is is you know where we draw our power from it, it it's where we believe that you know that it's where our answers lie for everything it's where our medicine lies you know it, it it's it's just 
our whole way of being. Mm. You learn to love nature. You learn, not that I needed to learn to love nature. I've always loved nature, but it, it just, you get such a deeper understanding of why things the way they are. And, you know, you, you start seeing why the universe works the way it does, why life works the way it does. You know, it, it just, you learn from everything. Mm. You learn from the trees, you learn from the plants, you learn from the animals. We call on our spirit guides to help us, our animal spirit guides to help us, bring us strength, bring us guidance, bring us love, bring us, you know, whatever it is mm. that we're looking for. Mm. Well, you, know, you came in, in this morning saying, I'm feeling a bit nervous and I've got my wolf with me today or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like cool. We're going to have a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 um, you know, it isn't for everybody. Um, I, I do know that. So we recently had my daughter's shamanic blessing at the house. Um, mm. And, and I, I affectionately call her teach and, and she facilitated it for us. And my, my younger sister and my brother-in-law were there and my cousin were there and, um, two dear friends of mine, Des and Michelle open sacred space for us and mm. the little ceremony that they do to do that. And we honor the plant people. We honor the cloud people, you know, and, and the star nations and stuff. And I, I could just feel my sister and my brother-in-law's eyes just going like, Oh my God. Like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? But we love you and we support you. <laughs> but we love you. you and we support you. you know? And it, it, it really, it, it meant the world to me that they were there. You know, I, I, I know that they, they don't quite subscribe to, to my beliefs mm. and my way of being, mm. but they love me and they support me and that's mm. all I need. It's, but that's actually, because you started off by talking about the fact that when you were a younger guy, that you had these voices, right? Yeah. And in a way, I mean, this is my sort of, this is how I'm connecting some dots here is maybe that's the thing is, you know, and, and this is going for people who, you know, who think, who, who, you know, who are in the wrong bodies. They, they're, they're born in a boy body, but they want to be a girl and et cetera, right? You have Absolutely. all these things that happen when you're small and then you feel shame and you don't want to talk about it. So you hide it. And then it's that hiding that causes you to do all this random shit in life, you know, yeah. um, where I guess really the therapy has to start when we're small, where it's like, you know what, if you're, a, if you think you're, in the wrong body, because I had this conversation with a woman over the weekend that her yeah. child, this girl, is actually th wants to be Superman. Like she just dresses okay. Superman. Um, and now she started school. She's like, nah, 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 that stuff's not for me. But I, I was wondering, hold on a sec, I'm wondering now if she's already fitted into that peer pressure system of not being herself. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But so, but here you are now doing this whole ceremony where your family do support who you are. So perhaps if you had that space to say, listen, I'm hearing voices, but to feel safe in it, yeah. that would have been, it had a different outcome in your life. Maybe. Absolutely. I don't know. Do you know, like, I mean, the, the way I truly believe it is it, 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 everything that happened in my life needed to happen for me to be where I am today. Absolutely mm. everything from, from the drugs I put in my body to the experiences that I had, the accidents that I've had, the people I've met. Everything has shaped and pushed me and guided me to where I am today. I wouldn't be the, the strong human being that I am today without those experiences. So with Catherine, both Catherines, my mm. psychologist and my teacher, we affectionately call my suicide attempt now my leap of faith, which is, you know, it's great. It's great that I can talk about this and not burst into tears anymore. You know, like I've healed so much from it. And it's an integral part of my story. It's an integral part of me. It, it had to happen. If it didn't happen any other way, I would, I don't, I can't even say where I'd be. I, I might still be addicted to drugs. I actually might be dead. You know, I might, I might not be here. I might not be a father. You know, I might not be a husband. Mm. I might not be a brother. You know, I might not be the person that I am today. Everything that's happened has led me to this. Mm. But touching back on, on what you were saying, like, I, I truly do believe that, that, 
as long as you can support that child, whoever that child is, whatever he's going through, support him with love and not, not try and sweep it under the rug or, or tell him, you know, that what he's feeling, you know, don't, don't belittle his feelings. Don't, you know, try and make it out. You know, no, no, don't talk about that. You know, mm. talk about it. However crazy it is, kids hearing voices, kids feels like he's in a different body, in the wrong body. Doesn't matter how crazy it is, you know, talk about it. These things are real. Whether they, whether they are real or real or, but if they're real to you, they are real. You know what I mean? Mm. You, you, your, mm. your mind is so powerful. Your imagination makes everything that you go through real. So talk about it. Maybe the kid does change his mind after a little while. That, that's the part. That's the beautiful part about growth is that we open our minds to change. You know, you might be so dead set against one thing, but the more you learn and the more you grow, you, you know, keep your mind open mm. and you can see that there are other possibilities. Mm. You know, like I, like I explained to my cousin Reese, um, my, very close to, to him. You know, we, we, we more like brothers than cousins. Mm. You know, I explained to him that we might all be wrong. There is not one human being on this planet who can actually say that they know exactly where we came from, what's real, what's not real. There's, there's no one. There's an infinite number of possibilities. We might be, like like uh, Dr. Zeus explained it, we might be little beings floating on a speck, which is actually a speck of dust in another universe. That might be true. The Buddhists might have it right. The Christians might have it right. You know, but we we nobody can say for certain. That we've, mm. we, that we've all got it right, mm. you know, but what is real is that we know we are here now and mm. we need to look after and love each other, especially, for, I mean, and you start with your family. It starts in the family circle. doesn't matter what that child is going through. You love that child with all your heart. Mm. You protect that child and you help that child grow. You don't indoctrinate it with what you believe is true. Mm. You, you show the kid, this is, this is, this is everything that's out there. Make up your own mind. You know, like, like, uh, Neo in the Matrix, mm. you know, like the, the Oracle tells him she doesn't expect anything from him except to make up his own damn mind. I need to watch that again. It's some, so many people refer to the Matrix. It's the most beautiful spiritual awakening movie ever, I need to ever watch produced. It, again. it yeah. is, it is phenomenal. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, if, if I could, if I could go back in time and ask my parents one thing, it would be to try to understand me. That's, that's the one thing, you know, my parents mm. loved me. They, they gave me everything I needed. They, but I didn't, I didn't felt very understood, you know, in, in, in so many ways. I still today, I don't feel very understood by my parents. I don't feel understood by most of my family, but I do feel loved. And that, that's, that's important. That mm. is, that's what's important to me. But do you think that that can be a combination of, cause you talk about growth, right? And, and we, we grow and, and growth opens up and expands for change etc so yeah. do you think because you say that your parents didn't understand you do you think that that's also a combination of you having to learn to express who you are absolutely do you know what i mean like 100%. we want everyone to understand us but but sometimes we can't even show people who we are absolutely so then how can they understand us because you're not showing us who you are you know it's like this double-edged sword in absolutely. a way absolutely which is why like i said so we work together you know work with that kid Work with your son, work with your daughter, work with your, your grandchild, whoever it is, whatever your family situation is, mm. work together. You know what I mean? Allow as a parent, like, you know, the, the lessons that I learned, I will allow my daughter the space for her to come forward and tell me these things, you know, so that I can 
go in with an open mind. Allow that space for her to feel safe, like she can tell me these things. Mm. That's that's like the one the one kind of difference, you know. But it's just it, it's just all about communication, number one, and honesty. Mm. Just be open and honest. Mm. Don't like don't don't make a child feel like they can't say anything to you because that's going to back them into the corner. It mm. will back them into the mm. corner. It will keep their mouth quiet. And that's what leads to suicide and all these things, drug addiction, all of that. When, you know, just help and be with that child. Le- learn, learn from both sides. Remember one thing. Conscious parenting is realizing that your child might be an older soul than you are. And that, that for me was a big thing when I, when I realized that, like, I mean, I, I know for a hundred percent, like in my truth, that my daughter is way older than I am in, in, in soul terms. Like she's mm. way older than mm. I. She's, I'm already, I mean, she's not even two years old and the mm. things I'm learning from her, tiny little things, learning how to, you know, learning how to play more, learning how to not be so serious all the time, learning how to run around and scream and pretend I'm a dinosaur, you know, chasing mm. after her, you know, mm. all, all those little things, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's wonderful. The, yeah. the little things that my daughter's teaching me already that she doesn't even realize that she's mm. teaching me, you know, it is, is, it's incredible. Being, being a parent is, it's a beautiful gift. So you know what gets in the way of that, actually, now that I'm a parent of, well, I, I guess four in a way, because I've, you know, I've had my two stepdaughters who are now in their twenties. And then I've got my little ones who are still, you know, seven and three is, is life, like the, the system of life. You know, I have a lot of respect for people who decided to do the unlearning thing. It's called unlearning. Yes. Because I find that society, when you get into that, that stream of life where you got to rush to school and rush here and rush there, right? You know, that's, that's what creates that sense of not listening because you're in a hurry to get to that destination because there's a lot of people waiting for you there and there's a consequence there. And anyway, that's, that's a whole nother discussion. And I'm, I'm going to bring another lady um, to interview her who decided to completely just take her kids out the system. Uh, I have interviewed other people who are homeschooling, but I find that that's for me, if I look at a parent, where do I get distracted in, in that connection with kids? And it's often, it's because there's the system that you're in and you got to, you got to be on that treadmill, yeah. you know? So anyway, that's, that's a whole other discussion. Let's go back to you now. Um, so you've met Catherine, you're doing the soul. What's it called? Uh, the first course was soul retrieval. Okay. So, but, and you, you're a shaman. So you, is it that you call yourself a shaman? You are a shaman. It's like that. It's like saying you're. Is it like saying you're a Christian or is it, is it different? Exactly. Okay. So it's just, exactly. it's your it's, way of life. It's, it's, it's your. So, so shamanism is, I mean, it's not, it's not a recognized religion. It's mm. not a religion of sorts. It's not, it's just, you know, it, it, it's just the term given to the, the, especially from the ancients, you know, the, the, the shaman of the tribe. He was the medicine man of the tribe or mm. the healer of the tribe. That was just the term coined. You know, I, I, I call myself a shaman just, just because that's how it was presented to me. That's where, when I believe I have my calling, that's how it was presented to me. And it, it just, it, it hit, like I said, it hit me so hard because it, it explained to me my deep love for animals throughout my life, my deep love for nature, that connection, that, 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 just that soul connection that I always had. It explained all of it to me. Like it just, it, it fits in with what, what what's I, it? It explained it. You mean the, my calling, the, 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 the being that presented itself to me. 
And um, when was this? When did this happen? How? So again, I, I can't give the exact dates and that, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was uh, after the after the suicide attempt before I met Catherine. That was what led me to to the second Catherine. The second. Let's Catherine. call her Catherine the second. Catherine Teach. Catherine Teach. <laughs> okay, yeah. Catherine Teach. And uh, yeah, so I'm um, again, and this is this is where so many people think that I'm crazy, but that's uh, okay. No, um, no, well, <laughs> not in my space. So tell yeah. me the story. So I was doing a mushroom journey for myself at home. Um, Okay, so hold on. So this mushroom thing, I actually, let's just quickly, because that's how I, I said to Catherine, listen, you, my show is raw, not research. I don't know anything about my guests, but she just did, she wrote Greg, um, I want to say Greg Sharman. <laughs> anyway, uh, but she is, if, put your name, I mean, she said something about mushrooms, like healing with mushrooms or yes. healing through mushrooms. But what I understood was you are someone who also helps other people. Is that, is that? How I do you help other people? Yes. Okay. So there's other, you know, there there are some some some. I, I, I'm going to call them friends. Yeah. You know, I can't really call them clients because it's not like it's a feels paid weird. Thing. Yeah. It feels okay. Weird, you know. Um. But you you know many people come to me and and they ask me to can can I help them you know explore mushrooms they they want to know what it's about they want to they want to know why I preach what I preach about the healing. And, and it's not just mushrooms. I mean, it's San Pedro, which is cactus. It's, uh, you know, there's many, many kinds of plant medicines, even cannabis, a plant medicine. So how, I have to put this like big white elephant out the room. So how is it that that doesn't, cause that's a, that also shifts your mind. Absolutely. So how does that not interfere now with your past addiction? <sighs> that's a very good question. Um, and so many people, especially my parents, like they, they still, they clock because they because they class it as drugs. Um, when I was taking cocaine, I wasn't taking cocaine to be better. I wasn't taking cocaine to understand my mind more. I was taking it to get high, to get wasted. Mm-hmm. When I take mushrooms, I take them so that I can go inwards, I journey inwards mm-hmm. to me because mm-hmm. mushrooms bring out the deepest parts of you. They, they take you well, well, well with inside your subconscious mind and, and they, they try and work through all the little bits. They bring all the, the, your, your deepest, darkest fears and, and all of that. They bring it to the surface so that you work with it. You face it and you get over it and you work mm. with it. You, 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 it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to actually put into words because you, you've kind of got to experience it before you can understand it. It's, it's again, mm-hmm. another double edged mm-hmm. sword because no, like cool. so many people are. But so, so then what's the difference? So with cocaine, is that then, because that's also can be the stimulant and this, uh, makes everything more heightened and enlightened and. That's where the spiritual part comes into it. When, when, when you, if you're taking mushrooms just to get high at a party, like, Mm-hmm. Not you, 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 that's what you're going to get. You're going to get harder party. And I just, I don't advocate for that at all. Mushrooms for, I mean, the mushrooms have been used for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm. Um, you know, if mm. you, there's many, many documentaries on it so that you can see, um, even Paul Stamets, Ter- Terence and Dennis McKenna, the work that they've done with it, you know, they, they, they really touch on, on the real, the, the, the spiritual side of it, the, yes. the, the medicine side of it, which, mm. which is what, what I use it for. I don't, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, take mushrooms and then jam a whole lot of music mm. and dance around and stuff like that. Sometimes there's dancing, but it, it's, it's, it's medicine dancing. Mm. It's, it's, it's my shamanic work, you know. Yeah. And, uh, it's healing. It's, it's whole. Yes, it's joyful. It's, but so how does one not get addicted to even that process? Do you know what I mean? Then uh, where, where, where then life becomes that. constantly, well, I'd rather be in that world because that world is also better than this world. Uh, 
I, I get that. I get that. And I understand what you're saying, mm. but it, it's all about the intention. It's all about the intention. Like the intention is a huge thing. That's interesting, huh? Before, before mm. I do, before I do a mushroom journey for me or for anybody else, I tell them to set their intentions. It's a very important part of the process. Intention is everything. Mm. When it comes to plant medicine, your intention is everything. Well, when it comes to life. Absolutely. What's your intention in absolutely. life is, is the, like and the, the source. Absolutely. And there's a big, big difference between fake intention and true intention. Mm. And only you know. Absolutely. Only you will know. Mm. It, you, you can, you can intend to take the mushrooms and say, Oh, look, I want this. But if you, if you don't go in and say, look, I want healing. I want to be healed. You're never going to get it. It's not just like you can take the mushrooms. Oh, I'm healed. Doesn't work no. that way. Doesn't work that way. Well, it's the same like, uh, you can go get, you know, the different therapies. I mean, last week uh, I met with a woman because I was maybe wanting to do these workshops with her. Um, because she's also a yoga teacher, but she does this sort of the healing where, you know, the touch points, it's called bars or something. It's like okay. touch points on the head. Anyway, I arrived at her house. She says, no, come lie on the bed. Let me just like do these bars with you. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't coming there to, yeah. to now address, you know, my, my, you know, my brother issues and everyone who follows my show. No, I've lost my brother. And that's, you know, had a huge impact on my life, but. So I wasn't there to do that, you know yeah. what I mean? So I wasn't – and I said to her, listen, you know, I'm actually not wanting to go there right now, you yeah. know? Yeah. But but I think any healing room, obviously if you're with someone that you trust, any healing process will work if you if you say I'm committed to this Absolutely. and I'm open for it. 100%. You need – you need – you don't – like especially with energy healing, you know, you don't even need to have faith in, in – you. I mean, you certainly don't need to have faith in any deity or, or believe in any deity as such. You don't, you don't even need to have faith in me as the healer. Mm. You, all you need is the sheer will and want to get better. Mm. That's it. Mm. Once you do that, you open up your spirit, you open up your whole soul to, to bringing in the healing energy that, that is around you. You, if you don't believe that you're going to be healed, you're never going to be healed. Mm. But if you want it and you believe that you want it and you believe that you want it enough, it will happen for you. To intention, if, like you said, everything in life is about intention. Mm. When your intentions are pure, doors open left, right, and center. Mm. It's it's incredible. I mean, that that's also boiling down to another discussion about manifestation and stuff like mm. that. But intention is is the key. Mm. Absolutely, is the key. If your intention is to find answers, the answers will come to you. Mm. Whether it's through plant medicine, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through Yoga, whether it's through dancing, whether it's through sport, whether it's through anything. If your intention is there, I promise you that it, it just, it, it comes. Mm. And that day in the hospital, when you got in that wheelchair and they wheeled you down the passage, is that where that, did you sudden, was that the moment for you? Not quite. It was in hospital, but not quite. Um, to be honest with you, when I woke up in hospital, when I realized that I hadn't succeeded, what I, the, the first thing I wanted to do was do it again. It took, okay. it took some time. Um, but it, it, it okay. So that gradually happened yes, then yeah, with gra Catherine. Gradually yes. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but before, before I left the hospital, um, the rehabilitation hospital after meeting Catherine Jenks and that and having a few sessions with her, it, it, it was so weird. Like all just the people that I met, the signs that I started seeing even then, you know, leading up to that journey where that being presented itself to me, the signs were there that I was meant to be helping people, that I was meant to be doing this. Like random people were coming up to me and they were like, 
you know, why are you, you, you are getting the feeling you should be on this side, you know, you should be wearing the white coats and stuff like that. Why, why? Like, really? it was just, it was so random, so weird. Like, the strangest, strange, even my wife, you know, I mean, she spent a lot of time in there with me and she would say to me, like, that was weird. Like, and at, uh, you know, at the time Do you I wasn't. one particular moment that was um, weird? There, there was, the weirdest part was probably there was an African lady that was in the hospital and she also was there to do, it wasn't healing of sorts, but she was, she was a nurse of sorts um, that, that was in the hospital. And she came up to me and she said to me, my guards are telling me that you need to be doing what I'm doing. And my wife, like, she, it was random. It was completely random, out of the blue. Like, you know, afterwards, was she like I said, a Sangoma, which not, is not not quite of... a Sangoma. No, not quite a Sangoma. But but she definitely had a, a very weird, like, a, a beautifully weird aura mm. about her. You know, but, mm. and at the time, you know, at the time, I, I I was like, this is weird. But you know, kind of brushed it off because I wasn't. But then the synchronicities and 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 the the signs and that started coming thick and fast. You mm. know, the you know seeing seeing you know the, the numbers and stuff like that everywhere and all the little signs and that you know that now I know more about it. So now. You know, mm. What do you mean the numbers? Um, so recurring numbers like eleven, eleven. You know, um, recurring numbers that mm. you see all the time. Mm. Each, each numbers, as you study numerology, they've all got Sorry. different meanings. And- I have to laugh because <laughs> you talk about synchronicities and oh, geez. So, so my husband and I went out to a friend's birthday on Saturday night. Right, we're in the yeah. Uber. There were these guys, and you know, there are potholes everywhere in South Africa. We've been having hectic (laughs) rains. Anyway, these guys were changing their tires. So, and we were like, oh, shame, these poor dudes, flat tire. You know, it's like six o'clock at night. Anyway, drive a little bit down. There were another, there's another family stopped changing a tire. We're like, oh, no, you know, and then the taxi guy said, um, yeah, no, it's these potholes. And they, they, he, he said, oh, no, they just hit that pothole. I know exactly which pothole that is on the road. Anyway, so there we were. Next day we're out, we're looking for houses. Next thing I hear this. Oh no! And there we were changing the bloody tires. So anyway, sorry, synchronicities. You got it. You're talking about it, but so what is there something special with particular numbers, or is it just numbers in general? Or well, you you just so you you'd look out for the numbers that recur to you the most, um, and you can look up their meaning. Um, Mm. You know, it's it's not. It it won't just be like a one-off kind of thing. You'll start noticing it everywhere you go. You'll start noticing it. So like every time you look at your phone or you look at a screen or you mm. look at a clock or something like that, wherever mm. you go or a, a number plate. I'm or thinking how many numbers are behind you on that rug. Anyway, <laughs> how many, how many dots? Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, it, the synchronicities start and, and, and the signs and that start, you know, they started coming thick and fast. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was just weird, you know, and then. Gradually, as 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 time went on, and that like I just started realizing more and more and more and more that this is not by accident. Mm. This is you know something. Universe is trying to communicate with me. Wow! And when 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 I had that journey and that that being approached me and and just I mean, in no I mean just in 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 the short form, it just explained to me that I am a shaman and I'm here to help people, and that's why I was not taken to the other side when I jumped. That's why I was captured. And this is what I need to do with my life and I need to help people and I need to start finding the people that can help me get to where I need to be. And yeah, I mean, from there, it's just, Mm. you know, it's just gone from strength to strength. And every day, you know, things just happen in my life that I just believe it. I see the signs. I I listen like it's what shamanism teaches you is to look for, look to nature for the answers. And, you know, um, a real weird, funny story. Um, it's two actually. One involves mm. a weaver bird and one involves a fish. 
Um, but not long after this all happened, um, you know, I noticed the weaver that started building its nest in my garden. Mm. Now, something so mundane and random that people see all the time, but you don't think of it. But I started watching this weaver and he must have weaved a nest no less than 16 times. Mm. And each time that female ripped that nest up and he started again in the exact same spot. He in the, in my garden on the same branch in the mm. same spot. And he kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. And that for me, I took the lesson from that. I'm building a life with my wife. I'm building a nest. Maybe we don't have the home that we want to finish up in yet, but you know, we're building this life together. Now you do. Now, yeah. Well, well, yeah. yeah Back yeah, then yeah. you didn't, but now you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like I'm building this life with my wife. I want to give her the space that she deserves, especially after putting up with me. You know what I mean? I want to give her everything that she deserves. And no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times something goes wrong, no matter how many times your life quite literally gets ripped apart, you go back and you start again. You can start from scratch. It's okay to start from scratch as many times as it takes. And that little weaver bird taught me that. Mm. Another time with a fish, we were at the Vol with my, I've actually made a post on this on, on Facebook, um, mm. not on my Facebook page, on my actual, my mm. personal page. Mm. And, um, we went to the Vol. My sister, my, my brother-in-law own a place at the Vol and, you know, I was fishing and three days I was out there on that water and caught nothing, like nothing. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, was September last year, you know, and I'm thinking, come on now. I mean, this is prime fishing time. Like the fish is supposed to be biting. And on the last day that we were there for the weekend, the long weekend, and, um, eventually I caught a fish, but just before I caught a fish, there was a swallow that came down. I was watching the swallow and it dipped just on where my line was. And then it flew away. And five minutes later, not even five minutes, five seconds later, there was a bite on the line. And again, just that, that lesson in there that, you know, life is going to be up and down, that, you know, the waters, everything might, you might be in the perfect environment. You might be, you have the, the right time of year, the right bait on the line. You might have all the right things and just nothing's going to happen. You've just got to keep persevering and keep pushing. Don't give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. If you, if it's for something that you believe in, Fight for it and keep on working and keep on working and keep on working and eventually it will come. That mm. fish will come. Mm. I wish I could remember that the whole story that the post that I wrote. Mm. I mean, it, it, it was it was it was great, you know. But I mean, just those lessons. Yeah, I start learning to look for these lessons. They're everywhere. You just got to just got to train your mind to to see them and then and be open to mm. it. You know, and also that divine believing and knowing that. There's a time. There's actually a destined time. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, giving up and stopping. I mean, you feel that anyway in your flow. You feel that in your soul, actually, that that you're stopping, but that there is a time. There's a right time. There's a moment, you know? So, okay. So, right now, where you are, so you followed these programs with Catherine and you are now helping you call your friends. So, have you seen transitions? Have you seen this? So, so just define exactly what you do now. You also do have a day job. Yes. And you do this. So just tell us who Greg is right now. So right now I'm a project manager with mm. a, um, a fiber company. Mm. Um, I, don't, I won't mention names in that, but yeah, yeah. it's a fiber company. I'm a project manager. I look after getting live fiber lines to certain connection points. And that mm-hmm. just, you know, I've been, been with the company and this is now my seventh year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's my day job. Um, and as, as a healer, um, you know, I facilitate, 
um, healings. I do energy healings for people. So it's it, if I can describe it to your listeners, it's very similar to Reiki healing. Mm-hmm. It's it's working with the chakras. It's working with the aura and the energy field of of a human. Um, and yeah, it's all about just bringing balance and, and calm and, and and healing to to the person. But it as as in my beliefs in that every every disease that we've got, everything like diabetes, cancer, all of that stuff, it all starts in the aura and then it manifests down into the physical. Um, so, you know, healing, healing is such like someone will come to me and say, I need healing of this. And I'll be like, okay, well, let's have a look at that. I don't just dive right in and try and heal whatever it is. You know, you've got to look into it from, from a, from a, a, a spiritual side of it and mm-hmm. try and actually find out because a, a doctor, you know, you go to a doctor for a headache, he's going to give you a headache tablet. It's going to cure the headache. But it's not the symptom. You're, it's not. It's, I mean, the it's, cause. It's, it's the cause. It's mm. it's the symptom. It's not the cause. Mm. You know what mm. I mean. So so what I do as an energy healer is I go in and looking for the cause, mm. whether that's stress, whether that's anxiety, whether that's depression, whether it's whatever, you know. And 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 I work with the clients. I work with my friend to 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 heal that part of them, as I did. You know, I, I work entirely from experience. I work how I've been, and I take everything in my life that. That's why I said that I truly believe I had to go through everything in my life, experience every feel, feel every feel, experience everything so that I know what to do to help others in that same same situation. You can't just, you know, you can't just, and, and, and again, going back to the mushrooms, that's what the mushrooms help does. It helps you find the root cause of what's going on. You know, for you, not, not mm. for me as the healer, but for you, for yourself, you know, cause I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, as a healer, I'm, I'm just a tool, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm like the scalpel on the doctor's table, you know, I'm, I, I get drawn and, and guided to these people, they get guided to me, and, and I am literally just the instrument, mm-hmm. um, you know, f- for, to, to bring the energy, to transmit the energy into them so that they can heal where the parts of them that need to heal mm. it. You know, and it, again, there's no such things as miracles. You know, sometimes one session can do it. Other times it's got to be three, four, five sessions. Maybe it's, mm. it's each and every single person, each and every scenario is, is, is different. It's, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very unique scenario for every mm. single person. Mm. So how did you come into the mushrooms? I mean, how did that, what, what, what draw your attention to the mushrooms? Yeah. So my, my belief now, um, as, as, you know, as I've progressed with my spirituality and, mm. and certain people that I've met and that I've had past life regressions done. And, uh, in many, in many of my past lifetimes, I have always worked with plant medicines. Have you? Yeah. I've been, I mean, in my one life, I was a druid. Um, what's living, that? It's like a medicine man living, living in a forest. Yeah. Cooking up all sorts of different plant yeah. medicines. Well, using... you suit the profile. I can see it. Need <laughs> <laughs> oh, a campfire and <laughs> you got your hair back. Yeah. And <laughs> um, you know, even, even in uh, one of the readings that I did with one of my now very, uh, you know, dear friend, um, Michelle, um, you know, she said she could see in many, many, one long, long time ago past life that I was even a mushroom. She said she could see me as a mushroom really? surrounded by all my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Know, as, as, and, and I've you just, actually have a mushroom around your neck. I do. Yes. Yeah. I've got, I've got a mushroom. There's a mushroom on my arm. This tattoo over here. I've got the mushrooms there. It's plant medicine. Um, that's, uh, the DMT molecule. Then mm. I've got the cannabis molecule, the, the serotonin molecules, the happiness molecule mm-hmm. and, um, and the psilocybin molecule. So it's, uh, is, is magic mushroom psilocybin? Yes, Which one that's, is that? The yeah, psilocybin, psilocybin is the, is the active ingredient. Mm. It's the active components in, in the in, mushroom. Inside the mushroom. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's a, a funny story also. So my, you know, my brother who died, it's actually interesting. I should send my dad to you. <laughs> so there was this box. He had this box and the box came out. Okay, I mustn't get emotional now when I start saying this. I don't often talk about him. Um, so, but anyway, in this box, it was a jacket. I know I can hear, I'm going to start to cry. <laughs> oh God, listen to me. Anyway, let me try and get over the tears. Safe space. Safe space. Yeah, safe space. So, um, in this Jack Daniels box, uh, I'll cry. It doesn't matter. Go for it. Anyway, in He's this Jack Daniels it. box, and my brother used to do all this shit as well, right? So, in fact, he even wrapped a car around a pole as well at some point, but he wasn't into drugs or anything like that. He was actually more like, he did it when he was younger, you know? Yeah. He was a rock climber and a skydiver. And I mean, he literally was a cat for seven lives, but he had this, um, this same as you, this mushroom around your neck. It's like clay made out of clay or what? Yeah. So anyway, so I was taking stuff out the box and we were really close. And, um, so I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to use this mushroom. You know, it was, it, it it was this clay mushroom hanging, you know, that he would have hung around his neck when he was in his teens or whatever. Anyway. So now my dad decided, I don't know what it was, but so anyway, so now he wears this thing around his neck, but it's, it just does not suit him at all. I mean, okay. my dad was like this proper South African, like bush dude, right? Okay, okay. I mean, like, you know, he, he did. So every time I see my dad now, he's got this little mushroom hanging around That's his amazing. neck. I love it. <laughs> he's not a jewelry dude at all. He's a proper, like a dude, man's man kind yeah, of guy, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so actually, but it is funny because when I watched that um, that documentary with Paul Simmons, I my husband and I were saying like maybe you know I should send my folks to to do something like this because since my brother died, like there is so much block. I mean, we're such a close yeah. family, and losing him was just like Immense, a nail yeah. in the coffin yeah. for them. You know, psychologically. I mean, for us, we all had to deal with it, but you know, life carries on and. You obviously have your own kids and, you know, you've got, you know, I had my stepdaughters at the time and living with us, you know, like you got to keep on with your responsibilities. You know, when you're old and you don't have then little ones depending on you, your survival mechanism is different. So um, anyway, I'm just, you're talking about the mushrooms and that you used to be a mushroom in your past life. And um, I love all these, I love all these ideas about life and all these different ways of life and philosophies and it's great that's it's, it's what makes us human yeah it, again you know it, 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 like i said it, so many people call me crazy for my beliefs and i'm, I'm at the point now where i'm okay call me crazy but i'm happy exactly exactly <laughs> call me crazy but i'm happy i talk about this and you can see my, my face my whole my whole aura lights up like this yes. is just yes. this is my truth yes. this is who i am yes. and this is what i believe that i was put on this world to do was to help people and not necessarily through mushrooms i mean I, I don't i don't do mushrooms with everyone you know sometimes a simple chat can actually just change someone's life mm. just sitting and talking to someone you know just having the right mm. conversation mm. can change someone's life mm. um you know but again it, it, the magic does happen with the mushrooms as well you know like certain people if, if that's what they want to do then i help them with it and uh i mean just in in my personal experiences the the the, the proof is in the pudding you know what i mean it, it's just for for me it, the mushrooms have helped me just I, I can't I can't even I can't even quantify it like how much they've helped me. You know, my wife was very skeptical about it at first, especially considering my past. Yes. And 
within a few months of, of me doing it, it's not like I was doing it every day, you know what I mean? But like every month or so, every other month kind of thing. And I would do a little journey and do this and, and practice and stuff like that. And she literally watched me transform into this drug addicted monster who hated the world, who hated himself to this shaman, this amazing guy who, who loves life, who loves his family, who loves his wife, who is excited about life, is excited to wake up and go and do things and learn things. I mean, I'm, I'm learning so much, never mind just about shamanism and, and healing. Like I'm learning about everything. Like I just, I want to know more, you know, I want to know, wow, that building's, you know, that architecture is amazing. I want to go and learn about that, you know, mm. just dive into that and have a look but at that. But this is and, not when you're, when you've taken, no, like, no, it, this is just no, in this your is everyday yeah, life. This yeah, is everyday life. Yeah. You know, this is, it's just, I'm, I'm alive. I'm alive. And I celebrate that every single day. I wake up and, and I say a prayer to my guides and to God and I just say, thank you. Thank you for not letting me go. Thank you for keeping me here. You know, I, I, I wake up and I look at my daughter and I, she's just the most beautiful little girl that I've ever seen in my life. And I just am so excited to be her dad, mm. to teach her things, to take her on adventures, to, to play with her outside, you know, to, draw with her, to color with her, to play ball with her, to throw things with her, mm. to, you know, just be alive. It is, is <laughs> life is such a special gift and I nearly threw it all away. And I just can't tell you how glad I am that I didn't, that I got the second chance mm. and I'm not wasting the second chance. Mm. Again, people can call me crazy. That's okay. I'm happy. I'm happy to be crazy. It's the crazy ones that change the world, right? So yeah, that's true. It's uh, well. Listen, I want to. Um, I want to also. It's nice to go into. You you know because now people will be thinking, okay, cool. Well, that you know, so you, you know, when you did get to that point, then where you were able to safely navigate your healing process with the mushrooms, for yeah. example. Um, but so you, you, cause you said you got the, 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 how do you say that word? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah, yeah. psilocybin. The, the cannabis molecule. Did you say molecule? Y- yes. Molecule. Yeah. So that, that's just that part yes, of this. So, yeah. so do you, so do you work with cannabis as well? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, again, and this is where my family will say, oh, but you still smoke weed. Yeah. I smoke weed, but I don't smoke it all day, every day. You know, if I'm feeling a little bit anxious, you know, then I will smoke a tiny little bit. I don't smoke to get stoned. I smoke to relax. I smoke to let the medicine work. You know, mm. I, I can't. If I sit and smoke a whole joint to myself, like, I'll freak out. Mm. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. Like, I freak yeah. out. Like, yeah. it's not great. You makes know? you anxious. Absolutely. It makes it worse. But when I'm feeling like that, I'll roll a small little joint, take two little puffs, put it out, even mm. one puff, just put it out just until I can feel. I've always, and I tell people this because so many people say to me, oh, but I get so paro when I smoke weed. It's like, because you're smoking too much. Remember one thing, cannabis is a medicine. You can't overdose and die from it because it's a natural medicine. No mm. one in the history of the world has ever died from it. But too much is still too much. You mm. know what I mean? Smoke more. You can always smoke more. You can't unsmoke. So if you're feeling anxious in that, have a little puff, put it down, wait five minutes, wait 10 minutes, wait 15 minutes. If you're still feeling anxious, have another puff. Don't sit there and go, smoke the whole joint and then be like, oh God, I'm so stoned. Like that, mm. that, that's not taking it as medicine. That That's taking it mm. to get high. That's taking it to get stoned. So can you get past the point where, so I don't take anything. 
Uh, I've I've even been in a space where I ended up in a psychiatric ward after much when my child was six months old. Sure. I said, don't even give me. I knew what was going on. I knew I knew I temporarily just actually went from a panic attack that spiraled, and okay. because I'd never had that before. That freaked me out that I was having this panic attack, right? So, but when, so, you know, so when I went there, they wanted to give me stuff. I said, do not give me anything. I, what I knew, like intrinsically, I needed to go outside and find a tree. (laughs) No, truly. And I actually just had to sit in front of this tree and get my shit together. I'm going to say it like that. But actually what I needed to do was just focus on the tree, like as in to see the grains in the tree, just to get present again. I knew yeah. that my mind, I hadn't been sleeping. Um, I lost my mind and I'd never done that in my life. I've yeah. always been quite a put together person, quite sort of cool. Yeah. I mean, and I don't take medicine, never take medicine. I, yeah. I don't even have medicine in my cupboard, which people don't even understand because I've got kids. Yeah. But so I understand that we go through spaces in our life where we lose the plot, where mm-hmm. things, we freak out for yeah. whatever reason. But can you get to a point where you don't need anything, where you, you know what I mean? Like, sure. so I try not to ever, I mean, so I don't take anything, right? And I do find, especially since I've had kids, yeah. I've changed. I've become more anxious. So I think that that's the thing. Sure, sure. But that can you get sense, to yeah. that space where you where you also don't need to take weed or you don't? Yeah, 100%. It goes back to your intention. It's okay. what your intention is. If you want to get back to that space, if you want to get to a space where you don't need to take anything, you will get there as long as you set your mind to it and you set mm. your intention right. You have to be honest with yourself. You, you can lie to everybody else all around you, mm. but you cannot lie to yourself. Mm. You, mm. you might think you can. You're not going to get to where you want to go. Yeah. But, but do you want to get to that place? Because yeah, you still do absolutely. puff a little bit here and yeah, there. Yeah, eventually, absolutely. Um, you but know, do you? I don't. Or isn't it isn't it a way of life in a way? Because we do get stressed in life. Well, it is. It is a way. It, yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, some you know, like often you know during the week is is not is normally a no no for me. But I mean, sort of coming Thursday, Friday, and over the weekend, you know, get to sort of four, five o'clock, and it's you know like having a having a sundowner. I don't drink alcohol at all anymore. I'm, okay. You know, I'm I'm you know through throughout my what's I'm coming up on three years, hundred percent clean and sober. Mm. I don't I don't take any chemical medication. I don't even pop a panada for for headache tablets anymore. I will find a natural remedy for it mm. um i grow plants in my garden i grow things like lavender i grow things like in pepper i grow things like um aloe vera stuff like that and i, I you know if i've got a scrape i'll, I'll break off a piece of the cactus and, and use that like i don't yeah what is the cat you spoke about cactus oh that's san pedro so that that's yeah. a different that's a medicine cactus as well it has psychedelic effects really? yeah okay. you, you, the way you cook it and that's you make a medicine and it's got psychedelic effects mm. um not quite as intense as mushrooms. It does just last longer, but it's hot space. It's hot space medicine. Um, what does that mean? Uh, it's it's just beautiful medicine. Is you, it? you feel you feel so you feel very connected, um, like mushrooms do. It makes you feel connected to the universe and everything. But mushrooms is is more of of a, a, a headspace connected mm-hmm. connectedness. Um, San Pedro is, is cactus medicine is, is very much a heart space medicine. It, it, it just makes you feel love for yourself, love for the universe, love for your brothers, your sisters, your, your fellow human beings. Like it, it's so just. Why don't they put that in the water? <laughs> that's a discussion for another day. I won't get into why. Cause that's the, what the universe needs now. Absolutely. Just a little bit more love. 100%. 
<laughs> I won't go. I won't go down that road now. Why I believe that these medicines are illegal, but it's uh, yeah. Oh. Another story for another day. The pharmaceutical industry would crash. Yep. Um, okay. So, um, all right. So it's it's an intention thing. So Absolutely. it's about that intention thing, yeah. and you know, and for you, you're cool with. I mean, that that's the thing. You're cool with where you are now. Absolutely. You're happy. Your family's happy. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's again, and I th- and I think that that is a huge message. Is is actually right is intention like that's something that's come through quite strong in yeah. this conversation is everything is about intention and it's interesting how you talk about you know even like the healing drugs and and also drugs but it, it's also about your intention right so yeah. yeah and i mean everything you know when you get into these conversations everyone has to understand there's a lot of gray matter that exists in these conversations so sure. you got to use your own intellect 100% and 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 put it in its place and and also see it from where it's coming. Yeah. I think that that's contextually the most important 100%. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's it's you can't. It, it, there's nothing in this world because you if can't now go and like go pop a whole bunch of this or take a whole bunch of mushrooms and think, okay, cool. Yeah. I need please to heal don't or, do that. Please, please don't do that. Yeah. Don't. That is the last thing that I would ever advocate for in this world because I promise you, if you're not doing it with the right intention, if you're not doing it correctly. It will hurt you. Not, mm. maybe, maybe not, maybe not physically. I'm not saying you can die from the, from the mushrooms, but believe you me, it, it, it will hurt you. It can mess your head up in, in a mm. big way. Please don't, don't, don't disrespect the medicine. Please always make sure that if that's the way you want to go, please find someone who knows what they're doing. Find someone and find someone who truly knows what they're doing because it can really, really backfire on you in a bad way. So please don't just go and willy nilly pop a bunch of mushrooms and, and mm, you know, think, mm. oh, this is going to be great because yeah. it won't be. Yeah. Um, Just going into that, find someone who knows what they're doing, that sentence. So how do we know you know what you're doing? Well, you don't until you've had a chat with me. Then yeah. you make up your own mind. Mm. You know what I mean? But I, I, did you do some sort of – did you – I mean, you, we, you, talk, you talk about your the people you admire – um, Paul and Kenneth McKenna, you said Paul yeah, Stamets. Dennis, yeah. Dennis. Dennis and Terence McKenna. Oh, Dennis, okay. Um, so, did I mean, is there a course you can do in it? Is there, like, how do you, how did you actually, are you certified? Or, like, I don't want to ask that because, in a way, I don't want to put you down for where. No, 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 not But at how all. does one know to trust that? It's through experience. But there's no, there's no, there's no course you can go and do on magic mushrooms. Like it's just, there's, there's nothing like that. But through experience, through the other people, the other spiritual healers and that, that I've met, you know, doing ceremonies with them, learning from them, you know, through my own ceremonies, learning and, and stuff. It, it, it's, it's, it's just experience that, that's, that's, you know, that's the only, way I can really explain mm, it. Um, mm. you know, it, it's, it's not just like, oh, I've taken mushrooms. Oh, I think, okay, cool. Now I can guide you with mushrooms. It's, you know, especially, I mean, the, the first time I took mushrooms or beard and I hundred percent admit to it that the first time I took mushrooms wasn't for medicine. Yeah. You know what I mean? For the first time I took mushrooms was 20 years ago. That was oh, cool. I want to get high, mm. you know, but especially over the last three years that, that I've been doing it, um, you know, and somewhat even be a little bit before my suicide attempt, but that's a, again, a different story, but you know, it wasn't that often. Um, 
but since my suicide suicide attempt, like every time I've taken it, it it's been intention. So it's learning and growing and experiencing what it is. So again, I wouldn't just, I, I won't advocate to say, oh, come with me. Mm. Uh, let's have a chat first because I might not be the right healer for you. Um, it might not be the right, the right thing. Mm. Um, but it, it, it would be sitting and having a chat, having a conversation mm. and, and then you go from there kind of thing. And then it, it would be entirely up to you mm. if you felt comfortable enough, if, if we had a, a, a strong enough connection or, or, or something sparked in you that was like, okay, this is, this is for me, then trust that, trust that intuition. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I would never force anybody to say, you are going to do this with yeah. me that never ever would do that. A lot of people and a lot of people that I see, you know, a lot of people that I see, I don't do mushrooms with them at all. Mm. Some, you know, in actual fact, it's a very small percentage of, of the, you know, the people that I see mm. that I actually do do mushroom journeys with it. Do you grow them yourself? I do, yes. Um, so how do you do, so you grow these mushrooms and then you like, what do you just, I mean, I did have a mushroom ages ago in Amsterdam when I was like, uh, before I even moved yeah, to Amsterdam. Yeah. I can say, yes, it was a, you know, a pleasant experience. But yeah. as I said, I'm not someone who's taken, you know, drugs. It's not yeah, really in yeah. my nature. So, um, but do you just what what do you do what's the process well you so so you eat them so grow, growing them is i mean it's a hell of a process and it's been an awesome journey on for mm. for my part you know mm. um you know I, in connect in uh getting in contact with the mycological society of south yes. africa and you know learning from all these people not just on psilocybin mushrooms but growing edible medicinal mushrooms mm. um, like lion's mane cordyceps stuff like that which i haven't yet tried my hand at yet um mm. you know I'm, I'm at growing at growing yeah mm -hmm. but you know growing mushrooms is just it, it's such a f fantastically interesting amazing process is it it, it it's very hard you know it, it's 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 not like you when you grow cannabis you put a seed in the ground and you let it grow mm. it, it's, <laughs> it i'm not, not saying that cannabis growing is as easy as that either but you know it, it's it's not you know when you're working with microscopic spores and stuff like that you have to make sure that the environment is absolutely perfect you've got to create mm. microclimates within in your growing area and it, it you know for the mycelium to grow is is it, it, it's very tricky, mm. but it's just such a fascinating process, you know, and especially after, you know, learning things and watching documentaries like that fantastic fungi, you know, when you understand what mycelium is and how it works and what it does, it, it, it will just, it blows you away. It, it just really does blow you away. And mm. then eventually you, you, you know, you, 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 your, your, whatever container that you're growing in or whatever area that you're growing in, it eventually becomes colonized with mycelium. And not long after that, you start seeing these mushrooms sprouting. Mm. And when you've got the understanding about how hard it is to get that fruit, when you see that fruit for the first time, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn, I've got it right. Okay. I mean, it took me a whole year of trying. Isn't it too hot here? Um, well, yes and no. Like it, it, it's not just about the heat; it's the humidity, it's the air quality, it's it's everything. You know, so that's why when mm. you grow it indoors and you make the climate correct, you you mm. introduce, you know, you do need it to be warm because mushrooms don't like cold. You know, you do need it to be warm, but you also need it to be humid and not too humid and not too dry. And this and yes, it's got to be yes. clean. And you know, like I said, it took me a year to eventually get fruits of of trying to grow mushrooms wow. at home. You know, it, 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 it's it's an incredible process. So, so what's mycelium? 
mycelium is is the the is where mushrooms come from. It, it's it's the organism that 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 grows that where the mushrooms actually come from. It's like so a it's seed in a way. Not quite or... a seed. It looks like white spider webs. It looks, okay. It grows outwards. It grows mm. outwards, upside down. It grows along. You know, my, there's mycelium constantly under. under but that's the earth. where like, mushroom comes from. That's where the fruit comes from. The mycelium that and that that mycelium then needs the right conditions for it to fruit. And, and, but then how does it mushroom into different mushrooms? Different myceliums, different strains, oh, okay. different, different okay. strains of mycelium. Like. So I have a business model for you. Okay. Business proposal, which <laughs> okay. I think, I mean, you're doing fiber, so you might as well do this instead, right? It's putting things, you know, you, you're putting these thing networks under the ground. Let's do these mushroom networks. So I had this trauma of rats recently. Okay. Like, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. And I, like you really love nature and yes. I love my birds. I love my plants. Yeah. And you, so when I moved into this house, we live in this gorgeous house. There were these rats and I was like, you know what guys, if you stay on that side. I'm not going to touch you. Yeah. Just don't come into my space. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> sure. you stay in your space. You do I'll, you. I'll do me. I do yeah. me, you know, and we can coexist, you know? Yeah. Um, but recently they broke that promise. Okay. And, and they've been in my space. I mean, okay. the other one tried to have coffee with me the other oh, day gosh. when I woke up at four in the five in the morning, whatever. And that, that was now I'm done. Yeah. 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 So I had to succumb to the poisons, but I'd watched that documentary on, on YouTube, the fungi. What's it again? Fantastic, Fantastic fungi, fungi, yeah. fun, fungi. Yeah. And they use mushrooms. They, that, they spoke about the mushrooms to it. So it creates a system where then the rats eat the mushrooms and then the rats die from because they can't actually eat those mushrooms. And then, but then they feed it to, or someone fed it to the other. And anyway, do you know what I'm talking about? In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. Okay, I, you need I, to go I back and yeah, yeah. I'm have to I have to rewatch it just to just to understand the yeah. part about the rats, but because they had a rodent control system, a natural rodent control yeah, system yeah. with mushrooms. Anyway, I'll leave okay. that with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it that that you know you talk about nature and now we're talking about the mushrooms and that had an impression on me, but I couldn't quickly go and find some mushrooms and grow them in my garden. Yeah. But I was afraid of then the weaver birds and the you know the birds and yeah, the and yeah, animals. Yeah. Anyway, we now we're getting we we we're going all <laughs> over the place, which you can do with this kind of conversation, right? Um, Absolutely. So one thing I do want to say is um, I think you know. From my perspective of hearing your story and, you know, from my perspective thinking, you know, if I were to choose a healer, I would definitely want to have someone who's been there, done that. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and I think that that's, that's, you had to go through that freaking ordeal of life. You said earlier monster, but I didn't see you as a monster. I saw you monster is something that's big and comes out and it's ugly and it's scary and, you were going through a, a period where you were almost non-existent yeah. and you had to come out into the light to be seen, right? That's yeah. kind of how I see it, not as a monster. Yeah. And I think, you know, if one, if I were to get healing and I wanted to get healing, I would want to, I would want to get it from someone who's been there, done that and who understands that space, that world, yeah. you know, and when you talk about how you are, um, some people you do heal with the mushrooms. Um, and I don't, do you, you do it with the cact, the, the cactus as well. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, I think you just, you've been there. Like you understand what these things do, not because you read a textbook, but you understand them because you actually lived yeah. 
you 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 got the diploma the the freaking phd you know but you <laughs> yeah. had to go through such a trauma to yeah. to get yeah. there yeah i've you know walked the walk and talked the talk so mm. it's it's you know i got the t-shirts many of them and um yeah you know like i mean even even you can you can read a book you can read so many books you can do the theory as much as you want but there's no better teacher. There's no better lesson, you know, to learning, learning of a lesson than experience. Mm. You know, like, like a appy studying electrical engineering, like I did before he goes out into the bed world, he'll do an apprenticeship. You know, he'll get the basic knowledge from, from the theory mm. and then, but the real learning comes in the experience. That, that's, that's where, that's where the secrets lie. You know, mm. that, that's where all the, the truth lies. You know, that's, that's where all the juicy bits lie kind of yeah. thing. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, and again, I'll just re- re- you know say again that it, it's why I truly believe that I'm as good as I am is because I had to go through everything that I went through in my life to be where I am today. It's uh, it's been a hell of a journey, you know. Um, you know, the first time, not quite to this extent, you know, but at my one year um, celebration with with NA, you know, I, I did my one year share. Narcotics Anonymous. Narcotics yeah. Anonymous, yeah, and you know. Throughout that year of being there with them, I was never brave enough to put my hand up. I was never, ever brave enough to put my hand up. I couldn't speak in front of people. I couldn't. But hitting that one year mark was a very special, was a very special day for me. Um, it was on so many levels. It, it, it proved to me that I could do whatever I wanted to. I could do whatever I set my mind to, that I was able to stay a whole year clean was just unreal you know and now i'm coming up to three years clean and you know it's it's like it's so weird on on the 8th of april i will be 1000 days clean and sober and i can't i just actually can't even <laughs> i can't tell you what that means to me you know like it, it's like you know we i go out with my family and not that my family are you know alcoholics but you know like most families mm. are, they're, they're drinkers they're jawless you know mm. like you know mm. you go out and you drink and have a good time it's amazing for me that I can go and sit with them, socialize with them, be a part of what they're being part of and, but not drink, just be who I am, you know, just sit there. And it's, it's incredible. It, it's, it, it's, <laughs> oh man, I can't even, like I said, I can't even quantify where I am now. Like it's, it's just so mind blowing for me to know who I was before and who I am now and just believing that change is possible. They say a leopard never changes its spots. Well, that's mm. nonsense. It can happen if you want mm. it to. It can that's happen. What my if dad you, always if you, says. If you, if you, <laughs> if you, you truly believe it and you truly want it, mm. nothing can stand in your way. Nothing. Mm, I believe you. It's, yeah. uh, I, I, it, I believe it's, that. Yeah. You know, a part of the conversation I was having with my cousin was like, you know, he, he touched on a few things that, of how, how he was just asking questions, you know, he wasn't pushing buttons and that he was just, cause he wants to learn. He wants to know, you know, he's mm. like, I see so many aspects, like, you know, I think of so many aspects of, of how you were and what you were and who you were before this and how you've changed and, and how, how, like he almost said, like, how do you, how do you sort of live with that? And I said, well, it's not about living with it. It's about learning from it. I know what I used to be. I know who I've hurt in the past. And, and I'm again going to say, cause she was the most of my wife. You know, I know what I did to her. You know, I, I know how I hurt her, but I, there's nothing I can do to change it. Can't, there's no use in crying over spilt milk. 
But I can, going forward, every single day, show my wife how sorry I am. Show her how much I love her. Do the things, be the husband that I was not before. Be the husband that I am now. And just continue to do that every single day. Be the person who I believe that I am. Be the person I want to be. Be the mm. change I want to see in this world. And and it's it's what keeps me going. It's what makes me excited to wake up tomorrow, mm. like, you know, and get going. You know? mm. And it's it's just, you can't, the past is the past. There's nothing you can do to change it. But the future's in your hands, you know. The future's in your hands. You can shape your future to however you want it. However crazy it might seem to someone else, if that's what you want, if that's what you believe, that's your truth. Don't be afraid of your truth. Be your truth. Speak your truth. Eat, sleep, breathe. Imagine mm. your truth. Be it. And, and you can make whatever it is that you want. Um, you know, I had this conversation with my wife the other night. Um, she was worried about, you know, what I told you before mm. we came in here. Um, she, she hits a panic station, you know, and she yeah. was, she was like, how are we going to do this? You know, how are we? And I said to her, I said, you know what? Before we say goodnight to my daughter every single night, we go, we sing songs, then we read stories, we do affirmations, and then we say prayers. In those affirmations, we say to her, my name is Emma. I am smart, I am kind, I am beautiful, I am brave, and I can do whatever I set my mind to because I am enough. Those are that we say that to her every single night. And I said to my wife, I said, how can we believe that if we don't live that ourselves? How can we be teaching that to our daughter mm. if we don't believe that ourselves? We can be whatever we want to as long as we set our mind to it. And we truly believe it and we do it with all the right intentions, good mm. intentions, pure and honest intentions. Do it with all the love in our hearts. Can't go wrong. It's 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 just yeah. you you know you bring it into like I say it says an affirmation you bring that into your mantra every day you say those little things if you've got to write the little notes around you every day I am enough. It's what I what I I know now you know I know it couldn't have been any other way, but in lots of ways I do wish that I'd known that before. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. if there's a message that I can send out to everybody that's out there, you are enough. You are enough. Don't ever let anybody make you feel otherwise. And if they do, they don't belong in your life. They don't belong in your life. Don't, don't, don't settle for, you know, uh, I don't want to go into that kind of conversation. You know, my, my sister, you know, was in an abusive relationship. Her first husband was in an abusive relationship. And I mean, that ripped me apart. You know, that, that, that ripped me apart. But the guy she's married to now, the father of her kids is the best man ever in this whole wide world that could be for her. He's amazing. My brother, my older brother-in-law is mm. phenomenal human being. Mm. He really is. But don't, don't, just don't settle for for anything less than what you believe is your truth. And as long as you've got the right intention, you're doing it with the right intentions and for, for the right reasons. Don't ever let anybody stop you. Don't stop fighting for it. Don't stop working for it. Don't stop trying to achieve it. Because as soon as you let self doubt and fear and all of that stuff creep in, that's when it's going to stop working. That's mm. when it's going to block. Mm. You have the power to manifest absolutely anything you want out of your life, anything that you want, as long as you do it with all the right intentions. Yeah. Never, ever, ever stop believing in yourself. Like, I can't tell you how, I mean, from in my, in my situation where I'm sitting in this chair now talking to you, three, four, five years ago, <laughs> there's just no ways I would have been sitting in this chair. But having gone through what I've gone through and just, Knowing what I know now and believing in myself is the only reason why I'm here. I believe in myself. I love myself. I can finally look in the mirror, you know, and look 
really look at myself and be like, nice one guy. Good job. Well done. You're doing well. Keep at it. Mm. Whereas before I'd be sitting in front of that mirror and I wouldn't even been able to, I didn't even have the confidence to look myself in the eye. Now I look myself in the eye and I say, well done. Well done. You know, I've, I've come so far in, in relatively a short space of time. I mean, if you think about mm. three years, it's not, not a long space of time, like in, in, in any stretch of the imagination. But how much distance I've covered in that three years blows my mind away. Absolutely blows my mind away. And I am so proud of myself. It's one word I was also, even you can, uh, my, my psychiatrist, psychologist Catherine, the first time she said that word to me in the early days of my therapy, mm. I literally cringed. Like I could not hear someone saying that to me, never mind me saying that about me. I can stand up proud now and say, I am proud of myself. I'm proud of where I am today. I'm proud of the human that I am becoming. I won't say I've become because growing and healing and learning is a lifelong mm. journey. Mm. It's a lifelong journey. It's not something that just happens and it's done. You've got to continue, continue on that path for the rest of your life. Healing and growing is something that never ends. And the person that I am becoming, I am so happy and proud of that person. Like that's the person that I want to be the father, you know, for my daughter. Mm. That's the person who I want teaching my kids, my, my, you know, my wife, yeah. my, my family, my, everybody around me, every, anybody that will listen, you know, that, that's, it's who, it's who I am. It's what I want to be. That's why I believe with everything in my heart and my head and my soul that I am a healer. I'm here to help people and I want to use my story to do that. Cause if this, if this degenerate drug addict, can come through from the darkest depths of hell and make it to where I am today, anyone can. Anyone can. Any man, woman, or child on this planet can do it. Mm. It's hard. Well. It's hard, but I promise you now, if you really want it and you truly believe it, make it happen like that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for this opportunity. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was so nervous. And that's, now I'm like. <laughs> that's what's, I know. That's what's so beautiful, though, is that I don't know anything about you. And, you know, it's so cool. Um, I feel so incredibly privileged to be able to, have, you know what I mean, create the space <laughs> to. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, you know, to have, yeah, to create the space to to give you guys the platform to tell your stories is yeah. like thank you really thank you yeah pleasure it's uh, yeah this was really cool awesome <laughs> alright so guys that's it for this week thanks for listening share the show with all your family and friends as I always say sharing is caring go to the website inspirationalinterviews.com and subscribe once a week you'll just receive a super cool life story in your mailbox Check out my Instagram handle. It's my favorite social platform, Inspirational Interviews. If you just search Jen Rod, you'll also find me there. Thanks for listening, guys. Super grateful to have recorded my show at Solid Gold Podcasts. See you on the flip side. Let's see where this song might lead.